and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast, brought to you by Stathead. I am Jason, and with me, as usual, is Rich. Hello, Rich. Hey, what's going on? Uh, hello, man. We are we got a fun one here. I think you know. I yes, yeah, gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I say. I mean, I don't. I've definitely never said, "Hey, we've got <laughs> this show you know? might suck," but let's <laughs> yeah. give it a try anyway. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this one is uh, especially fun to me. So we went and we are looking at each franchise and the hall of famers who have played for that, those franchises. Yes. So, you know, yeah, obviously, you know, you're talking about the Knicks, you think of Patrick Ewing, you think of Willis Reed, you think of, you know, Bill Bradley, but yeah. Do you think of Paul Westfall? Do you think of Tracy McGrady? Do you think of Jason Kidd? You know that. So, I mean, we're going to be talking about all of them, but I, I think the focus will be um, like, Oh yeah, that's right. That guy played there. You know, that's right. Uh, you know, um, you know, um, Patrick Ewing on the Magic, you know, Akeem Olajuwon on the on the Raptors meme. You know, that that's the kind of thing that we're going to dig into here. Also going to look at the probable Hall of Famers for each franchise. So just going to be some interesting uh, discussions and tangents I'm going to imagine we're going to get into, but that's always makes it fun. Oh, for sure. And yeah, obviously we're doing it this week uh, because the Hall of Fame induction ceremony going on uh, September 9th, I want to say, Friday, September 9th. Uh, yeah. I believe in a few new guys going in, obviously. Um, Manu Ginobili, uh, Tim Hardaway. I'm trying to think of George Carl. Furious George. Oh, yeah. Furious all George. Of, all of finally fame. in. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm missing, I think I'm missing a name, but uh, those I think are the highlights as far as NBA players going in. I, I, sure. I apologize if I'm missing anybody, but we typically don't. Here's the thing. We don't really care that much about the Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, So I I, like uh, it's hard to really get like super, super excited about like, hey, let's break down Tim Hardaway's career. But we like having fun with the idea of the Hall of Fame. And that's where I think this episode uh, comes in. And it's it's a way to look at a Hall of Fame with a little bit of a different, uh, you know, a different touch, you know, just a different way to to look at it as opposed to, you know, just kind of breaking down Tim Hardaway's career, just breaking down Manu Ginobili's career. Um, right. or, or, you know, talking once again about <laughs> old George Carl, which would not be a bad episode actually to do the George Carl episode. Del Harris, oh, uh, was the other name yeah. that I was forgetting about as well. Lou Hudson, uh, yeah. as well, uh, going in. Yeah, Larry Costello also made it in. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. God, yeah. it's like I forget so, that, like, those guys, it's like, oh, well, now you put them in, like, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, some, uh, some, yeah, a referee, uh, Hugh Evans is in, Bob Huggins, the college coach, uh, Lindsey Whalen, Swin Cash, Marianne Stanley, WNBA, and, um, Coach, so yeah, um, and so that's a that's a, yeah, Lou, a fun class. Obviously, he's, he's not alive anymore, right? If I remember correctly, no, I just yeah, he died yeah, in Lou, 2014, yeah, 2014. Yeah, he, he passed away. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, um, no, there's a lot of um, it's not, obviously not the most star-studded you know class. I'm obviously you know the year with Kobe and KG and uh, Duncan. You know, it doesn't compare to that in terms of star power, but yeah, in terms of guys who are definitely. Deserving haven't, you know, had a chance, you know, but probably been every guys that we've talked about is like, oh yeah, this guy probably deserves to be in. What's up with that? Yeah, yeah. So sure, sure. Finally getting some of those um guys in. So so that's fine. So yeah. So yeah, this one I, I think we're gonna focus on the longest standing franchises uh, in NBA history, the ones with the deeper history. I'm gonna be doing another show or two on the uh, more recent uh franchises because yeah, a lot of stuff to dig into here. So it's gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, well, we will start with the Knicks, and uh, I'm going to list all the players. I'm going to list them all in uh, order of least to most uh, contributions to the team. 
So we've got Tracy McGrady. Did you remember that Tracy McGrady played for <laughs> Of course I remember the Tracy McGrady yeah. Knicks. Uh, not because I'm – it's not just because I'm looking at a picture of Tracy McGrady Knicks because on Google I decided to look up Tracy McGrady Knicks just to remind myself that, yes, Tracy McGrady did play for the Knicks. So, of course, I remember uh, Tracy McGrady's 24 games on the uh, 2010 Knicks. Uh, who, who doesn't remember those? Uh, so, I don't know. You're saying least contributions to highest, and I, I don't know. I, I tend to disagree. Is that up? Yeah. Is that subjective or objective? What is the, what's the criteria? Uh, well, yeah. Because I feel like Tracy McGrady's uh, – no, he didn't do anything for the Knicks. It was 24 yeah, games, and it was bad. So Right. Yeah, and I remember there was one – because this was after he was traded from the Rockets. You know, this was, like, finally getting out of the deal. The Rockets were trying to clear space. Oh, I guess the Knicks were trying to clear space, too. Everybody was trying to clear cap space. This was the <laughs> – you know, trying to get LeBron. Um, yes. Situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was the yeah. – every team is like, hey, maybe, you know. Yeah. Like, so we'll get Amari instead. It'll be fine. But, yeah, so McGrady – like, I remember there was, like, one really exciting game he played. It was kind of like the old McGrady in Madison Square Garden. People were chanting his name, and that was a fun memory. But, yeah, it did – obviously, it did not uh, – go anywhere he ended up kind of being a journeyman bouncing around for the um rest of his career playing yeah, this another, is you know, not the last time we we're going to mention Tracy McGrady on this show because right. my man yes. he played for a lot of teams at the end of his he career did so. play for a lot of teams. yeah absolutely we got Slater Martin who was uh between his uh stints with the uh, Lakers dynasty and then later with the 58 um Hawks he played a few games with the uh, Knicks in between there uh the Mutombo kind of forgot he was a Nick for uh in in 2004 but uh, yeah for 65 games he was a Nick yeah uh, and then, then I I remember him because he came to the Bulls in the Eddie Curry trade, and then the Bulls just didn't use him. I was like, I, yeah. I don't think Dikembe wanted to play for them. I forget what it was, but yeah. uh, they, uh, and then he ended up going to Houston. I want to say after that, so uh, yeah, no, I don't think it was the Eddie Curry trade. It was a different trade because Eddie Curry was later. Because um, I think, uh, but um, we'll 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 find, figure that one out. Anyway, we got uh, we got Paul Westfall, we got uh, Jason Kidd mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Al McGuire, but more he's in for his, as a college coach, not really his first playing career. Um, Maurice Cheeks, yeah, kind of, yeah, early uh, 90s uh, Knicks. I think, yeah, right beginning of the Pat Riley uh, run, I think he was there. Uh, Tom Gola, of course, more uh, famous for his years with the um, the Warriors, was part of that 56 championship team in Philly, but uh, uh, played toward the end of his career with the Knicks. Uh, Spencer Haywood, we've talked about the, the Spencer Haywood years for the uh, Knicks, not the most glorious years of his career. Nat Sweetwater Clifton. Jerry Lucas, of course, was there for the uh, end of the 70s run. Bob McAdoo, also with uh, Spencer Haywood. We talked about the uh, late 70s Knicks. Phil Jackson, of course, more in for his college, first coaching career. Uh, Bernard King, of course, had a legendary run with the Knicks in the uh, mid-80s. Uh, Walt Bellamy, uh, Dave DeBuscher, uh, Dick McGuire, part of those early uh, 50s teams, brother of Al. Uh, Bill Bradley, Earl Monroe. Uh, Richie Guerin was kind of one of the he was he was the big star sort of uh, when the Knicks were terrible in the uh, late 50s and early 60s. But he was definitely a great player. Also played for the Hawks later. Uh, Carl Braun, one of the uh, underrated uh, guards of the uh, 50s. Harry Gallatin, also part of those 50s teams, uh, was a great big man. And of course, Willis Reed and Walt Frazier, the key stars of the 70s years. And of course, Patrick Ewing, you know, the uh, great stalwart of the uh, franchise in the uh, 80s and uh, 90s. Yep, and and by win shares the best uh, best ever Nick uh, Hall yes. of Famer. So uh, 123 win shares. Walt Frazier second with a hundred yeah. and eight win shares. There's so. a pretty big gap. Yeah, and then Willis Reed third. Yeah. I mean, there's a big gap between Frazier and, and Ewing, clearly above everybody else, and then Patrick right. Ewing pretty uh, pretty solidly above uh, Walt Frazier in there. And you and Jason, you were correct. Apologies, the Dikembe Mutombo trade was for Jamal Crawford and Jerome Williams. 
Ah, okay. There yes. you go. And then he was traded right. by the Bulls to the Rockets for Adrian Griffin, Eric Piakowski, and Mike Wilkes. So, Ooh, wow. Yeah, big return <laughs> for that, Dikembe. Uh, that is a big river some guys trade right there. Yeah, there is some yeah. dudes. There is some <laughs> yeah. dudes. And the Bulls initially, uh, uh, they, they acquired Othella Harrington, uh, a man whose name I will not even try to pronounce, and I don't remember right. if he did anything, and Frank Williams. So uh, All right, I don't know enough. if the Bulls got a good return for Jamal Crawford at that time. But Jamal Crawford wasn't quite Jamal Crawford at that time. You know, people didn't quite right. know what he was. It was like, ah, this guy, I don't know. He's comes, yeah. you know, he, that was still like, we're trying to make Jamal Crawford a point guard as opposed to like, just let Jamal Crawford like shoot a bunch of shots and right. Yeah. <laughs> score some it, points like off the bench. Was, yeah. He was miscast early yes. in his career. And if you thought of him as like, Oh yeah, he's going to be a great star. That wasn't what he was going to do. But in terms of yeah, being Jamal Crawford, I mean, no one has been more Jamal Crawford. than Jamal No, Crawford. no. Yeah. If they just the, knew that they had Jamal Crawford, they could have just right. used him as Jamal Crawford. It would have been With great. With the possible but, exception of world be free. That he world be free might be more Jamal Crawford than Jamal Crawford. I'm not sure, but <laughs> yeah. you know, We'll have the scholars debate that one. So, right. yes, but so I want to know Patrick Ewing's 123 win shares came in 1,039 games, where Walt Frazier's 108.8 came in 759 games. So, quite a few more games that, that Ewing played. So, sure. if you're looking at the win shares 48, it's better. But um, anyway, yes. So, uh, we also looked at for each of these, we're going to talk about Hall of Famers who were either drafted or acquired via trade or some other means, but never played for the franchise. So, um, possible that we have some omissions in these we definitely try to dig into do our research um but it's always possible that there's some sort of trade that involved a, a buyout or something uh that we missed so forgive us if we uh, did for the knicks Dolph shays was actually drafted by the knicks however he went to the syracuse nationals then of the national basketball league the two leagues then merged in the uh, next season and uh, shays of course was the great star for the Syracuse Nationals, but could have been a Nick. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the uh, possible what-if scenario there. Yeah. And looking at the possible future Hall of Famers. So we Basketball Reference has uh, a great uh, Hall of Fame probability index where they look at uh, the percentage of a chance that these players are going to make it into the Hall of Fame. So uh, former Knicks who who are over 50%, we got Carmelo Anthony, 98%. Chauncey Billups, 84%. Amari Stoudemire, 73%. I, uh, th- those are interesting. I, I don't know if I would say... Uh, I don't know if I feel like Amari Stoudemire is a likely Hall of Famer. It's definitely possible. Billups and, and Carmelo, I would say, definitely are going to be in at some point. Yeah, no no doubt. Yeah, and Carmelo's an interesting case, too, because like you could, even without his NBA career, his college career, because it is the basketball Hall of Fame and they do count everything. Sure. Like His college career is like legendary. You know, He goes to Syracuse right. and, and just absolutely dominates uh, in the time that he's there. Uh, so he's a guy that, like, yeah, even if like his NBA, but his NBA career is still pretty prolific too. Like he, yes, did he live up to expectations? No. Is he is he as good as LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and the other people? He get? No, but he's still Carmelo Anthony. He still has a very very significant career. So, uh, yeah, him at ninety eight percent. Maybe I was a little surprised that it was such a a slam dunk for him. And I, I thought right. maybe there'd be like a little bit of people saying, I don't know, but but uh, no. When, when you take in totality of his entire basketball career, he's definitely a guy. But yeah, I'm a little surprised by Amari Sotomayor being seventy three percent. I'd have to kind of dig into that uh, a little sure. bit more and see i mean he did yeah i mean he was good yeah i don't know it, it's 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 weird because now a lot of these guys are going to be in the hall of famer guys that i sort of you know my their entire career happened in front of me and i was watching and i don't sure. know that if any point i was watching amari stoudemire being like that guy is a basketball hall of famer like he's one of the best uh to ever do it i don't know that i ever did that but maybe statistically you, you, you could make that argument 
Yeah. And I, and obviously these are imperfect. You know, these are just kind of looking at the cases statistically or, you know, all NBA accomplishments. Yeah. Or like comps um, that, between guys who are in the hall of fame. Like, Hey, this guy has similar numbers sure. to this guy. So it, you know, it might, right. yeah, who, who knows what'll happen when, uh, but I think people like Amari Stoudemire and that usually plays a, a factor in it too. Are you well liked? Do you have a lot of friends in the, uh, in the league? Then yeah, maybe sure. you find your way. In yeah. There. Well, you know, Amari, he's got one all, uh, one first team all NBA, four second team all NBA. So that's certainly uh, obviously significant. Mm-hmm. Six time all star, you know, um, you know, looking at uh, his, um, you know, looking at his, his, his career stats, she is certainly um, very impressive. You know, 21.9 uh, points per game, 9.1 rebounds per game. You know, um, obviously was, was part of some influential teams, some, you know, never won a championship, was, was some part of some really good teams. So, yeah, I can definitely see it. Um, but I, I, I think it's it, if I were going to like bet, yeah, is he definitely is he going to be in the Hall of Fame? I would bet let, probably likely no more than yes, but it's definitely certainly possible. I'm actually surprised Billups isn't already in. That, that one's a little bit of a um, surprise to me, given the finals MVP, given, you know, what he's um, accomplished in his career. I'm sure he'll get there at some point. Yeah, And, and Carmelo, yeah, I, 98% is a little bit higher than um, I would have thought. But I mean, yeah, he's definitely going to be in at some point. Come on. Yeah, no doubt. So, yeah. All right, so what if scenarios? We're looking at the best what if scenarios involving Hall of Famers for each franchise. So for me, I was thinking, yeah, Dolph Shays on those 50 Knicks teams. I mean, you know, you could definitely have seen them, you know, maybe beating the Lakers in the finals or at least, you know, beating the Royals in 51. The Knicks actually went to three finals in a row, 52, 53, and 54, and lost all um all of those times. Um yeah, you would say the uh, – I'm sorry, 51, 52, 53, the, the Nationals went 54. Uh, and, yeah, Shea's Nationals teams, you know, they went to the finals in 1950. They went there in 54. They won the title in 55. So Shea's definitely, you know, carried those national teams. I mean, they were other good players there too, but he was clearly the best player. But if you look at Shea's, you think of, like, the 50s Knicks. So the – the 50s Knicks were a little bit like the 70s Knicks, where like it was, it wasn't necessarily just one huge or two huge stars. You know, it was really they were, they were known. They had a lot of really good players. You know, Carl Braun, one of the better guards of his time. Harry Gallatin, you know, one of the better, you know, just great rebounder and scorer. You know, burly big man uh, Dick McGuire, you know, the great defensive guard. Nat, Nat Clifton, who was, um, you know, really good, uh, you know, defensive player, rebounder. Uh, Connie Simmons, Max Zatzlowski, who was one of the great uh, shooting guards of his time, Ernie Vandeweghe, another. So they just had a lot of guys who knew their role, had a really deep team. Definitely could see the Knicks have been been a contender, you know, through probably like fifty six or so, right before you know Russell comes in there. I don't know if it makes that huge of a difference in terms of how Shays is thought about now, but being in New York rather than Syracuse, maybe you know leading those Knicks to a championship or two. Yeah, obviously knocking off the Lakers would have been a, a, a challenge, of course, but. Um, definitely with Shays there and, and that deep branch, you know, assuming the rest of the roster is basically the same. Uh, I think there's definitely a chance for Shays to be just a little bit better remembered uh, than he is for, you know, a franchise that in a city, you know, that, that doesn't have a team anymore. Right, right, right. In a franchise that, that there's really not much connection anymore to, you know, the Syracuse Nationals are, are largely uh, an afterthought. And obviously the Knicks are, are one of the charter franchises of the NBA, one of the more popular franchises. It's in New York City. Uh, I'm sure. right with you. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that's a huge, huge uh, what if. And, and and yeah, I think he does. Obviously, he makes those teams better, <laughs> you know, for sure. Um, 
But yeah, I think more for his legacy and his career, there's no doubt that 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 being on the Knicks in, in those early days of the NBA would have would have would have definitely propelled him a little higher. You know, people like you and me, you know, we know him. People that follow NBA history, probably a lot of listeners to this follow that that no. But I, I think your 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 person on the street probably has very little idea about Dolph Chase at all. Your 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 average NBA fan very little uh, idea about Dolph Chase. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know if that would. Uh, it might still be the case because it's still an era of of history that a lot of people just completely forget about or or willingly just say ah yeah, plumber. Yeah, yeah, yada, 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 all that sort of I, stuff. But uh, you certainly have an advantage if you're playing in New York and you're playing for the Knicks. Sure. I mean, it's not like Harry Galton's a household name of her Knicks. <laughs> in my house, it is, Right. Well, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I do think there might be some impact on his legacy. And, and the 76ers have, you know, done a little bit to keep the Nationals' name alive. But obviously, yeah, Syracuse doesn't have a team anymore. It's, it's just not going to uh, quite be the same. But, yeah, interesting thought exercise for sure. Yeah. It, it, well, and, and it's so strange because we, we saw this this past week with, um, you know, when teams – when teams move and they try to, you know, like honor the legacy of past teams, we saw it this week uh, with the Houston Rockets, you know, revealing their jerseys this year that are the San Diego Rockets uh, uh, style. And there was people that are like, ah, who cares about the San Diego Rockets? It's still your franchise. Like, yeah. it's fine. Like, embrace it. And I think the 76ers, like you said, have done a good job of saying, like, yeah, we're in Philadelphia and we're the 76ers, but we were the Syracuse Nationals. So, like, that's part of our history. We, we, quote unquote own that history that's okay to embrace that and like yeah I, I i like that houston was like hey we used to play in san diego and this is our colors and and this is what we did and everybody being like oh these are ripoff sonics jerseys what is this and it's like well no we had them at the same time too it's you know it's it, i i like it i personally i i i think it's 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 worth doing especially for franchises that are or are, are teams and cities that are kind of forgotten these days and 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 yeah Syracuse is an NBA team and obviously san diego um i i think it's nice to dig nod to those and and yeah, yeah. you know you know Yes, yeah, they're your team now, but you know, there's no problem in right. embracing it. It'd be really cool if they were able to like play like one game against the Clippers in San Diego this year. You know, like it, you know, I don't know what the arena situation in San Diego was like, but that, that, that would that'd be cool. The arena is still there. It's at the San right. Sports Arena. I think it's still there. So yeah, right. So yeah, exactly. We're just playing so. on a beach. You know, put a be- put a court on a beach and go. play there. That's <laughs> I love honestly I love the it. better idea. Yeah, yeah. The sand might yeah. be a bit of an issue, but ah, whatever. These guys, yeah, whatever. Out, so. Yeah, sand it gets in everything. Yeah, right. Right, it's everywhere. Uh, So as far as my what if, uh, mine is more on Willis Reed, who obviously, as we said right there, he is the third most win shares of any Knicks Hall of Famer ever. He's obviously got a monumental career. He is probably a name that most NBA fans know about. He's a Knicks legend, all that sort of stuff. But I do kind of wonder what would have happened had he not hurt his knee. So in his age 29 season, he hurts, or his age 28 season, he hurts his knee, uh, and in 20 or sorry, his age 29 season, he hurts his knee, plays in only 11 games, uh, averages only 20 points, 13 rebounds for five straight seasons before that. Made the all star game in his first seven seasons, and then when he returns from that season, obviously he comes back to the finals, limps out. He's the you know, he's the guy that everybody's oh, he's the heart and soul of the team or whatever, all that sort of stuff, yada yada. We've always talked about how it really sucks for Clyde Frazier, who's like, Well, I actually did like really well in that game, yeah. <laughs> Can I get a little bit of love here? And they're like, Yeah, 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 yeah. but that guy came out and limped, yeah. and then he won the jump ball, so yeah, sure, <laughs> he's actually the reason. And it's like, All right, whatever, but um, you know, from that point forward in Willis's career, like it's it's just never. He's never quite as good. His production falls off. He never makes another All-Star game. He never averaged more than 13 points per game or eight rebounds per game. And I think people forget like how good he was before those injuries and how quickly after those injuries he just couldn't get it back together. I mean, this was yeah a perennial All-Star uh, for the you know five years prior. Like I said, he was averaging 20 points per game. He was getting over 13 rebounds per game. I mean, he was a stud, and he was just entering. You know, yes, in those days you're not going to play into you know some guys did, but most guys aren't going to play you know into their 40s, but 
there's definitely a scenario where he has at least five more or, or at least three three to five more like very productive 20 plus per game 10 plus rebound per game seasons and he just doesn't have that and I do wonder how different I mean he might be like an all-time all-time great not now he's he's obviously still considered a great but like it does fall off pretty quickly, and his, his his longevity is not very great. I just do wonder what would have happened with a few more years uh, of 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 you know high level production and, and obviously health more than anything. Yeah, I mean he's definitely. I mean you know he's he was obviously a great player. He's obviously a Hall of Famer clearly, but I think the legend is uh, you know that game, the fact that he played for the Knicks. If you look at him, you know compared to production of some of the other great centers, he doesn't quite you know measure up. If he if he played for like the I, I don't know if he played for a franchise that does not have nearly as much glory. If he played for the Washington or played for the Hawks or someone, I don't think he'd be quite as um, quite the legend that he is. But luckily, he played for New York, and again, he was he was a, a tremendous player. But yeah, that definitely that you know once that injury really happened, you know he really had like one other strong season. You know the seventy three season, but even that point, I mean one you know, long season, one full season. But at that point, he's you know, averaging. 11 points per game, you know, nine rebounds per game. It just isn't quite the player that he was. You know, they they bring in Lucas, obviously, who um, helps and, you know, delivers that last championship. But, um, you know, really, he right, right after that 71, after that injury, he really falls off never quite the same um, player again, for, for sure. Yeah, it's just, yeah. And, and I do wonder his legacy might be more of, hey, this guy was a great player as opposed to, it feels like his legacy a lot is like, yeah, he limped out. He was the heart and soul of the team, yada, yada, that sort of stuff. Where it, yeah, right. You could definitely see a couple more years. And, and and obviously, you know, doing what he did and coming out and limping and all that sort of stuff does make it pretty awesome. And it does keep, you know, a lot of the, you know, the, there is a certain lore to that or whatever. But yeah, you, you do uh, you do wonder what would have happened if he just stayed a little healthier. But uh, regardless. Right. Yeah, it, it, exactly. He's remembered a little bit more as like the mascot of the team as opposed to like the, right, the, right, the right, great right. player of the team or, you know, one of the two great players of the team. And obviously, yeah, if he is able to, to stay an MVP player for another few years, maybe the Knicks, you know, win another, you mm-hmm. know, another championship or two, you know, so it's it certainly you know, maybe even extends that legacy a little bit. So. All right, so the ultimate Hall of Famer hipster jersey. So if you see a hipster out there, what Knicks Hall of Fame jersey are they most likely to wear? So for me, I pick Tracy McGrady. Yeah, that, that's a great pick. Yeah, and I, I, in the interest of fairness, I try to pick different ones than you, but uh, I think yeah. McGrady is the play here for sure. Uh, yeah. To just be different, I'll say Dikemi Mutombo, but I think I, okay. I, I, I honestly, McGrady's my pick. All right. That's yeah, like I think, the number three New York Knicks McGrady. It's like some people might be like, does that guy just get like a McGrady jersey on the Knicks? Like there's probably right. a lot of people that would just think that this guy like either his last name is McGrady. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in, or like, yeah, that he just made a custom jersey of McGrady on the Knicks. He's like, did that guy just think like the McGrady's on the Knicks? And then you have to be like, well, actually, he did play for the Knicks, sir. <laughs> you know, and then you pop yes. up, you know, basketball reference and show him. But uh, no, McGrady, McGrady's the play here for sure. Matumbo would be a fun one, but McGrady's absolutely the one. So the ultimate Hall of Fame cool kid jersey uh, for me. We'll we'll talk about differences between cool kids and hipsters in a moment. For me, it's I, I thought maybe maybe Walt Frazier, but I think that because Walt is so like I, I so identified with the franchise and all that announcing, it's sort of like it's almost like he's too it's too on the mainstream. Nose. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So yeah, gonna go with Bernard King. Yeah, dude, Bernard King's the coolest Nick ever. Like, I hate the Knicks, to be honest. Like, I don't like anybody who played for the Knicks. I don't like the Knicks. But I love Bernard King. Bernard King's just the coolest dude ever, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, bouncing around in a Bernard King jersey, 
yeah. that's going to get my respect for sure. You are a cool kid if you're wearing a, a Bernard King uh, next jersey. So, yes. Yeah. And the, the cool kids and the hipsters are similar to me, but I think the, the hipster jerseys, it's more like the, there's more irony involved. Where the right, cool right. kids, they're, they're into something obscure, but it's more celebratory. Where the hipsters are, um, <laughs> it's it's more ironic. Like, oh, aren't I clever wearing this jersey? So yes, that's the difference yes. for me. So. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, next we are going to go to my Atlanta Hawks. We're gonna and boy, this is a uh, quite a history here. <laughs> I was gonna um, say the hipster jersey yeah. account. <laughs> yeah, quite hard right. for this one. So, so. yeah, well, yeah, we we got twenty five for this. We got twenty four Hall of Famers to have legacy franchise. This this Hawks. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, makes right. sense with all the titles they won. So sure. Hey, hey, yeah. Uh, that, that 58 championship that's a glorious time <laughs> still, fly, you know? still flying that yeah. flag outside of your house fly, yeah. Yeah, absolutely yes um you know this is a, a st louis hawks respecter house for sure so <laughs> all right we got uh we got red holzman um played in the 54 season for the hawks was later their coach uh bob halbrex boy if you ever say it okay bob halbrex how have i not se- seen him in the hall of fame where you're like how do why is he a hall of famer yeah that's a good question i uh can't really tell you why bob hubrex is a hall of famer now he was a, a pretty big college star for the university of washington but played only like five years in the nba bounced around from teams had a couple good years for the pistons but nothing particularly special so you got in the hall of fame don't know friends uh, friends in right places i guess so. i guess so yes um alex hannum of course later best known for his uh, coaching played for the hawks including on the 57 uh finals team actually as a uh, famous uh, where he was able to uh, throw a, uh, a cross court off the backboard pass to uh, Bob Pettit. Unfortunately, Bob, for the Hawks, Bob Pettit um, bricked the uh, the close shot and the uh, Celtics won the uh, championship there. Tracy McGrady. We got Tracy McGrady yeah. again. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he did uh, play for the Hawks. He played for them in the uh, playoffs. He had one pretty good playoff game uh, there, at least a, a good playoff half. Uh, the uh, the, the uh, was the old McGrady for about a half, and then it was the new McGrady for the second half, and the Hawks lost that series, I believe. Uh, Sidney Moncrief um, briefly played for the Hawks after I, I went to. about this. I yeah. always forget that he played yeah. for the Hawks. Well, yeah. it wasn't memorable, yeah. Uh, Maurice Cheeks, uh, Rod Thorne, of course, known more for his uh, executive career, uh, but he did play for the uh, Hawks in the mid-'60s. Uh, Chuck Cooper, one of the uh, African American pioneers, played for the Hawks briefly. Uh, Connie Hawkins, of course, you know, the end of his career in the seventies, played for the Hawks. Tony Kukoc, you know those uh, pine for those Tony uh, Kukoc there was part of the Dikembe Mutombo uh, trade. Yeah, uh, yeah I love I I unironically love that like era of the Hawks, like that two thousand one, yeah. two thousand two. Uh, mostly Robinson. because yeah. I was playing. Yeah, I was playing like the NBA two uh, K games at those times, and I was I would play online. Yeah. I would always play as the Hawks, and the guys would always laugh, right. and I'd be like, "Oh, you just why are you the Hawks?" Hey, because <laughs> you had Hawks. Sharif Abdul Rahim, you had Jason right. Terry, you had Theo yeah. Ratliff just blocking everything left and right. Nazi Mohammed, like that team rocked. Like the yeah, Demar Johnson, who people do not. I mean, obviously he had a uh, was a car accident, right? That that kind of derailed his career, but he was really good. Like put some put some respect on the 2002 Atlanta Hawks. All right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You gotta you gotta respect those Hawks. You. Um, some fun players. You got Glenn Robinson going on. You got you got a lot of guys in and out. Robinson. Yeah, like, lot, it was a team a that had like there. ten like good players. Like nobody yeah. greats, nobody really great, and that's kind of yeah. a problem. They, but were, they were most of yeah, most of them were in the wrong part of their career at that point too. <laughs> right, but right, yeah, right. yeah. All right, you got Slater Martin uh, who helps the team win a championship in the late fifties. You got Ed McCauley, also part of that championship team. Of course, mostly known for the Celtics. You got Richie Guerin, also with the Knicks. A lot of a lot of uh, crossover between the Knicks and the Hawks. Uh, 
Moses Malone toward later. And I would say toward the end of his career, but it wasn't really toward the end of his career. He played like another five years, but late in his career, probably like the end of his career as like, um, you know, kind of a starish type player. That was his, his Hawks run from 89 to 91. Pete Maravich, of course, in the early seventies, Clyde Lovellette, one of the uh, better big men of his uh, time in the, uh, in the early sixties. Walt Bellamy, of course, playing with uh, Pistol Pete in the uh, 70s toward the end of his career. Dikembe Mutombo, aforementioned, uh, the, probably the biggest free agent signing in Hawks history in, uh, the, before the 97 season. The, it wasn't just summer of Shaq, it was also the uh, the summer of Dikembe. So uh was played there till 2001 when he was part of that uh, trade with the Sixers that, that netted, of course, Tony Kukoc. Uh, Lenny Wilkins, of course, uh, during the 60s, one of the great stalwarts for the Hawks. Elmo Beatty also for some of those uh, 60s Hawks teams, especially toward the end of the 60s that uh, were really good. Kind of came close to um, making the finals, but always bumped into the Lakers. The aforementioned Lou Hudson, uh, Cliff Hagen, Dominique Wilkins, and Bob Pettit. It's a lot of great players yeah. through the Hawks, man. Yeah, that's sure. A, that's yeah. A great, it's a lot of cool dudes. A lot of cool. Yeah, it's just a, a fun fun franchise history and they've been around forever you know so it makes sense yeah yeah uh it's a cool uh cool run there uh for for hawks yeah but that's uh yeah bob pettit and and dominique uh, similar to the knicks like very far ahead of everybody else in terms of win shares i mean they do play a lot of games i mean dominique wilkins playing 882 games right uh, as a hawk we'll talk about that in a sec he should have played all of his games as a hawk but i'll get to that in a moment uh but yeah bob pettit uh pretty uh, pretty Big jump over Dominique, too. I'm kind of surprised by that. I, I thought Dominique could yeah. be a little bit closer in overall win shares, especially playing almost 100 more games uh, than Pettit right. played. But Pettit well, was really, really, really good. He yeah. was really, yeah. He was really, <laughs> really damn good. And, uh, yeah, one of the great power forwards of his time, you know, clutch scorer, just, you know, a really uh, terrific player. So, um, yes. So now, by far, the this is the franchise with the most Hall of Famers or probable Hall of Famers who were drafted or acquired but never played for the franchise. So we're going in a chronological order. Bob Cousy was drafted by the Tri-Cities Blackhawks before they moved to Milwaukee and then before they moved to St. Louis and eventually moved to Atlanta. Then he was traded to the Chicago Stags, who folded before he even played there. And then the Celtics got him in the uh, dispersal draft, and you know what happened after that. Bill Russell, of course, was drafted by the Hawks, uh, famously was traded for Cliff Hagen. Hey, Cliff Hagen, pretty good. Not quite Bill Russell, of course, nah, Bill Russell. Yeah, not, not Bill Russell. Uh, things go Julius Irving, we'll talk more about this, but yes, Ir- Julius Irving played three preseason games for the Hawks, tried to defect from the ABA, did not work out, and he uh, ended up uh, going back to the ABA for a few more years. David Thompson drafted a second overall, I believe, I'm sorry, it was first overall in the uh, 75 draft and decided, hey, I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets and get this ABA money instead and uh, did not work out where for, for the Hawks. Hawks also the number three pick uh, did the exact same thing. So they had the first pick and the third pick in the 1975 draft. Neither one came to the Hawks. Uh, uh, not, great, <laughs> not great for that franchise. Yikes. Arvidas Sabonis, you'd be like, wait, the Hawks drafted Arvidas yes, Sabonis? Yes, did. in in the uh, 80s, in um, 85, I believe, they drafted mm-hmm. Ar- Arvidas Sabonis, who was you know playing um, in Europe at the time, you know, was uh, was tied to the Soviet Union, did not, of course, come to the NBA until much later and came with the uh, the Portland Trailblazers, but the, the Hawks, uh, you know, at least uh, had the idea first, it didn't work out for them. Yeah, well, uh, actually, the, the Sabonis thing, and I had to clarify yeah. this, it 
because I was always like, man, why did Portland just be like, hey, we'll track this guy? And it's like, wait a minute, somebody else has already drafted him. Well, uh, it got voided because he was under 21 when they drafted him, and they were not allowed to draft somebody under 21. So it got ah, a great okay. idea by the Hawks to say, hey, you know, whatever, let's just draft this guy and see what happens. Right. But the NBA was like, well, he's under 21. You can't have him at all. And that's why his, it was null and void, and then he was done. And that's when the Portland then next year was like, well, he's over 21 now, so we can actually draft him. And let's just draft him and see what happens. And, of course, he wasn't able to play until, God, it was 1999 or whatever until uh, he finally came over. So, um, yeah, or 96, 96 when he came over. But, uh, right, yeah, so right. that, that's because I was always wondering why, like, they just didn't let the Hawks have him. <laughs> so that's no fair. Like, they drafted him first. But, right. uh, yeah, they drafted him when he was under 21. So, hey, a good try to be like, hey, let's see if anybody notices this. Like, what do you think? Okay, you're a Hawks fan. You think they – um did they know this and were hoping that nobody else did? Or were they just like, ah, great, this guy well, rolls. <laughs> Let's see what happens, you know? Yeah, well, but I don't know. must have been a rule for international players because obviously they could draft guys, you know, if they were U.S. players. They right, could right, right. Them. Yeah, college players. It must have been someone. So maybe, I don't know if they weren't aware of the rule or they were trying to challenge the rule or it. I, I have not looked into the details of that. So we'll have to. Yeah, plausible we'll deniability, a, uh, just, just right. come. Yeah, I don't know what like, it is. Oh, but. We, yeah, but the records, the records in Europe are unreliable. We have no idea how old he is, actually. So <laughs> right, our best right. guess. Yeah. So, yes, well, if anybody else does happen to know wants to uh, let us know on uh, on twitter at over and back nba we would uh we'd love to know yes um so we've got uh we have Paul gasol not in the hall of fame yet but 93 percent probability he's definitely gonna yeah, be in the hall of fame he'll be there yeah yeah he was drafted by the hawks and was traded for um sharif abdul rahim uh gary payton uh was part of the uh trade for, that sent antoine walker from the hawks back to the uh, boston celtics the hawks ended up buying him out and gary payton then ended up going back to the celtics uh, <laughs> which i think let... now and then rules got made after that that were like all right look you can't just yeah. trade guys that right. get him back like this was, right because yeah. it was clear like he was only used there for salary and the hawks didn't really right. want him and yeah it, it, right. yada, yada, all the time. i remember a lot of hand-wringing about that it ultimately didn't matter that much but there was a lot of, trust me if you were alive at yeah. this time a lot right. of hand-wringing about Oh, the there Celtics of, have done it again. It's like, well, all they shaking, did was yeah. acquire like not very good Anton Walker anymore. And uh, not, hey, hey, uh, wait a minute. Let's let's not let's not say anything <laughs> we can't take back. Okay, right, right. But if you yeah. remember at the time, they were like, well, this is it. Boston's one. Yeah. It was it was like Boston's back, baby. Apoplectic about the Boston. That Danny like, age always. Yeah. <laughs> Trader so Danny does it again, and it's like, yeah. oh, they, they were yeah. Fine. yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, and then, yeah, Carmelo Anthony is, is also it was part of the uh, was was traded from OKC to the Hawks. Did not play the Hawks. Gave, they were nice and gave him a jersey though, at least. So that was uh, <laughs> that was nice. Ninety eight percent. So I obviously this is early, but Luka Doncic looking, yeah, that could be one too. I, where, uh, yeah, I think yeah. there's a pretty solid chance that unless something goes horribly wrong in the next couple of years that he's probably in there. And yeah, of course, drafted by the Hawks, traded for uh, Trey Young. Yeah. So. And, and I, not that I might, Trey Young's great too, but yes, uh, Donkic obviously, you know, is going to uh, uh, likely to be a no doubt Hall of Famer. Trey Young probably not going to reach that level. Anyway, still a lot of fun. All right. We got our possible future Hall of Famers. We got Dwight Howard. We got uh, 99% Dwight Howard. Uh, I, 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 he's definitely it. I don't know. 99%. Oh, for sure. yeah. Anybody who be... says he's not is a dork and they need to right. shut up. So. Yeah. Uh, Vince Carter, 95%. Uh, yeah, definitely he'll be in soon, I, I believe. Uh, maybe not first ballot, but he'll be he'll be in there for sure. Uh, Rajon Rondo is at 60%. Yeah, I got to talk to those guys. <laughs> That's yeah. Are we sure? Right. Uh, and Joe Johnson, 50%. So I'm definitely curious about the Hall of Fame prospects for Rondo. So Rondo's been a four-time All-Star. Only okay. one-time All-NBA was third team. Four time he's been on the all defensive team. He led the league in assists three times. He led the league in steals one time. So eh, I mean, 
leading the league in assists three times probably helps a, a yeah. little bit, but you know, yeah, you watch all them play and they were all defensive team. a bunch of fake yeah. assists. You know? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you're kinda... Yeah, right. Uh, and then I so Joe, seven time All Star, of course. Seven. You, you can't say Joe Johnson without seven time All Star Joe Johnson. One time All NBA third team. He is tied for second all time in game winning buzzer beaters. He has eight, which is tied with Kobe Bryant. Jordan has the most with nine. So, um. I don't know. That's, uh, that's interesting. Um, I kind of like ISO Joe's uh, Hall of Fame yeah. chances more he, than he, I like Rondo's. He, he does. He has more than 20,000 points, I believe, which is a threshold that like most guys who are over 20,000 points are in there. There's a couple of exceptions, but um, so that helps him in the club. Yeah, I, I could see it. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, maybe somewhere like Lou Hudson where it takes a very long time. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I could see it. So if, in case you're wondering, Al Horford is at 12%. Paul Millsap is at 5.5%. I, I would say Horford does seem kind of possible because his college career might boost him to put him in there. Um, it, it, it is a little bit, I mean, the college career definitely helps. There aren't, there's very, very few guys. I think Bob Hallbricks is the only guy who I can think of who like, you know, whose pro career isn't the most of the reason why they're in, at least as, as players. I mean, even somebody like, um, like Bill Walton or um, like Ralph Sampson, like, you know, they had good to great NBA careers, right, but right. And obviously their college career takes them over the top. You know, they, they may have been shortened careers where, you know, now Horford's definitely been a solid to really good NBA player for a long time, you know, whether he's in there or not. But I, I the, the college career, this is the type of thing where I could see him going in a lot because of the merits of his college career. Mm, for sure. Yeah. All right. So our best what if scenario for me. Yeah. Uh, Julius Irving, Pete Maravich on the same team with a pretty good supporting cast before the 73 season doc tried to join the NBA with the Hawks. They they've got pistol Pete, as we mentioned, they got Lou Hudson, they got Walt Bellamy and a new coach in cotton Fitzsimmons. He played three preseason games there before he was legally forced to return to the Virginia Squires. The Hawks ended up being fined. They were forced to send two second round picks to the bucks because Hey, Milwaukee actually had drafted Julius Irving and they had his NBA draft rights. So they, you know, the NBA didn't mind so much of him coming from the Squires. It was more about the fact that he was playing for the Hawks instead of the bucks, the team that drafted him. Um, but if, yeah, if they'd been able to wrangle past that, that Hawks team without Irving finished with 46 wins, they took the 68 win Celtics six game in the playoffs. So they potentially, yeah, it's not hard to see them being a title contender with Irving, even as young as he was, because he was only in his second season. So what do you think of that, Rich? Yeah, that, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, think of those two yeah. guys, like two of the more dynamic, two of the cooler players. I mean, that, that is a, a, a team that who knows how much they win. I mean, at that point, Irving is, is really good. So they probably are pretty good. And they do probably win a lot. Like you said, even without those guys, like 46 wins and, and a, a decent playoff team and decent run, a good supporting cast. And you're combining, you know, Julius serving with, with Pete Maravich. I mean, yeah, that would have been, I, as far as like the fit, I do wonder if they would have fit together. Cause Pete Maravich is obviously kind of a tough guy to fit with for most NBA players, especially at that right. time. But um, I, I can't imagine not enjoying a, a Julius serving Pete Maravich team up uh, with, like you said, with, with Lou Hudson and Walt Bellamy and all those guys. I mean, that, that just sounds really, really awesome. So, uh, it is a little disappointing that that never happened because that'd be really really cool to watch. That would have yeah, that would have been really exciting and fun. Yeah, you just you just kind of uh, imagine that. Yeah, I mean, would they really have been a, a title contender? I think it's possible. I mean, obviously Irving was so great. Was great. That's yeah. a good surrounding, and it seems like he would fit well with. That. I mean, that team does seem like it would it would fuse together um, pretty well. Like it seems like the, the those other pieces could be complementary. Now, like Maravich would have had to sort of uh, the kind of like how he was with the uh, with the. 
80 Celtics, obviously much later in his career. I mean, he might have had to adjust a bit to kind of fit in there. And would Irving right, have been right. seen? Like, would, would people have seen Irving as really the true, you know, the the icon that he later would be? Obviously, he was only in his uh, second year, but he was so great that maybe he just would have just demonstrated that right away. There wouldn't have been those kind of um, issues. right. Yeah, maybe it's not fair to 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 you know paint Maravich as a guy who you know wanted to take every single shot or, or versus a guy that had to do that for the teams that he played for. You know, largely not that, especially in New Orleans, where it was like, "Hey, we're awful because we traded everybody to get you." So uh, you are our only player. So uh, shoot the ball every single time and do everything you can every single time. You know that sort of stuff. Where yeah, maybe if he comes there, it's like, all right, no, or, this guy's better than me, so I'm fine being the secondary guy here. I'm I'm fine doing that. Um, I I can definitely see that happening, and 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 those two maybe being able to work together. But yeah, just dynamic, like the most dynamically cool team you could possibly imagine. I mean, the, just oozing seventies that team. I mean, just in the best best way possible. Uh, would have been a, a, a blast uh, to see that. But my uh, my what if is uh, about Dominique Wilkins. And I mentioned it before. I've always wondered what his career would have looked like and should have looked like had he stayed with the Atlanta Hawks. Had they not traded him to the Clippers, had he not bounced around and played in Boston and Orlando and San Antonio and then having to go to play in Greece and go to play right. in Italy. Like, that's just not fair to Dominique Wilkins. He should have ended his career as an Atlanta Hawk. He should have been a one-franchise guy. And I think things would have been, I mean, because, you know, obviously he started breaking down a little bit physically and, and stuff, but he's great with the Clippers. He still has a great year with the Clippers. He's right. pretty damn good with the San Antonio Spurs, too, when he comes in, you know, 1997. Sure. 1997! That's a long time. <laughs> how many people can still play in? That should have all happened as the Hawks. I, I, I really just, I, I wonder how much better his career would have been. Uh, how much more legacy he would have had. And he's still Dominique Wilkins, and people still, he's still 100% synonymous with the Hawks. But I do think that they would have been a little bit easier. He maybe would not have had to bounce around and doing different leagues. Like, I, I just think things would have been so much cleaner with his career, and there'd be so, you know, we'd have a few more years to say, well, wow. Like, I mean, he probably does compete with, um, like we said there, Bob Pettit, you know, 136 win shares, Dominique only 107.4. You know, Dominique plays three to four more years with Atlanta, like he's probably the top dude in, in, in Atlanta Hawks history. So yeah, I just always, it always bothers me that he didn't play his entire career with the Hawks. It's like, it just should have been that way. Sure. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And also, you know, the fact, of course, when he was traded, they, they were, they had the best record in the East and they ended up with like, you know, 57 wins and uh, you know, they, they fell in the second round of the playoffs. You know, if they have Wilkins there, Hey, are they a team, you know, is, do they have a shot at beating the Knicks and going to the finals that year? Um, you know, or uh, at least a better shot at it. You know, obviously if he's able to take them to the finals too, that, that makes a big difference in, um, in terms of his view. And yeah, it would have been great if he would have been able to uh, stay there. Of course, I'm not sure if they're able to rebuild their team. I'm not sure if they're able to get Matumbo, you know, later on, um, as a free agent, if Wilkins is still there and making the kind of money that he would have made. Um, but yeah, and just in terms of, you know, the relationship between the Hawks and Atlanta definitely changed when Wilkins um, was traded. That was a, a heartbreaking moment yeah. for a, a lot of the fans. And it, on a certain level, did make some basketball sense, but it would, yeah, it would just, it, it completely changed the relationship with uh, the Hawks and the city. Um, and I do think that, and obviously, hey, Dominique, pretty much post retirement has been synonymous with the franchise as a broadcaster and as an executive and um, everything. So they've done a lot to make up for that. But um, yeah, it, it did. It, it just, it would have been, even if it hadn't have worked out the best basketball wise, just in terms of just like, you know, having that one guy on your franchise the entire time your relationship with the fans that certainly I think 
there would have been some benefit to that as well. Yeah, and, and just him, the fact that he had to bounce around a bunch too, just kind of stunned. Because right. it's like, this guy yeah. is too good to be, you know, playing in, in, in Greece and Italy and playing for the Orlando Magic and stuff. It's like, nah, come on, this guy, let, let's do a retirement tour. Let let him finish. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, fan service-wise, keeping him on the Hawks would, 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 yeah, maybe they don't compete as much as they did in the mid-90s. Maybe they don't get Mutombo wins, that sort of stuff. But still, it's like, man, it, it, it and like you said, it did hurt. It, it, it did hurt the PR a lot in that city because it was just like, wow, they traded the, the, the franchise guy. They traded the legacy guy in the middle, you know, in the middle of a season when we were doing well, you know, for it's just, yeah, it, the optics of it were just real tough, real tough to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure. So, all right. Hipster Jersey. I'm going to go with Tony Kukoc. I got to go Tracy McGrady again. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, right? uh, and, and you, I think you own one of these uh, Tracy McGrady Atlanta Hawks jerseys, right? Don't you? I know so. I'm, I do not own a Tracy <laughs> well, You need McGrady to change Atlanta. that. I don't yeah, know how you know, I, but I do need, yeah. I had a Glenn Robinson Atlanta Hawks uh, jersey for a while. Oh, that, that uh, rocks. It, yeah. It was over, yeah, it was too big for me. So I ended up uh, getting uh, rid of that one, but it was, uh, it was a nice thought anyway. So I, I'm going to go with, uh, also, I'm going to go with Connie Hawkins as our uh, backup. When you get that nice 70s fit, you know, you've got, uh, yeah, you got Hawk on the Hawks. So, uh, I think that one, but that one might be a little bit, even for the hipsters, that one might be a little bit too obscure. Yeah, that's a little too on the note. Yeah, that that might that might border on the cool kid uh, yeah. jersey. But yeah, I'm going McGrady again. I think I'm going to go McGrady for everyone. <laughs> so all right. I, I want to see right. the guy who owns all these random Tracy McGrady jerseys. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I would say, um, you know, in terms of the uh, the the cool kid uh, jersey. So this one, yeah, this one actually might kind of lean toward the hipsters just because it's it's a bit obscure. Uh, it would be Julius Irving. Obviously, you know, you got that Julius Irving, you know, seventy three Hawks uh, a preseason jersey, you, and that of course that's still, um, you know, that's that's the pistol pistol Pete. That's the uh, that's the lime green uh, jersey. So you oh, got yeah. some extra, yeah. That's so, so the pick. Yeah, that, that's yeah. absolutely the pick. Like I, I was also going to yeah. say Wilkins because he's just the coolest dude ever, and those eighties right. Hawks jerseys rock. But yeah. I mean, it's Julius Irving. If you if you show up. And you're wearing the lime green <laughs> Julius yeah. Irving Hawks jersey, like you are the coolest person on the earth. So yeah, it's yeah. Julius Irving. I I'm gonna you know what actually I'm gonna have to say uh, there's a for the hipster jerseys. I also think that maybe Matumbo because you've got that like late '90s like the hawk, um, yeah, the big yeah, hawk you, that takes up the entire right. midsection of the. Yeah, although yeah, although apparently those jerseys are like considered good to some people, so I uh, it's it's hard for me to even judge. Um, I don't anyway. want to get into it. Anymore, if, if you were yeah, I mean if you're a certain age, you know, I guess that's what you grew up with. I I try not to judge. But no, um, no, 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 no. We, we, well, I think we're going to have to bring that we're back. Judge? I think, and I yeah. think before the season starts, because we've, 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 there, we've created a monster here in terms of like, because it was in the nineties, it must've been good. And it's not, no, it's, it's not true. So uh, maybe we'll do it. We, Cause we have to bring back our, our 1999 Jersey episode where we declare that 1999 was the absolute worst year of yeah. basketball jerseys because like, Revisit, I want to yeah. say 75% of the 1999 jerseys are being bought back like this year as like, hey, right. a legacy, we're finally back. And then, yeah, we yeah. also need to dunk on the Wizards for calling their two, mid-2000s jerseys iconic and legendary. Iconic, yeah. <laughs> iconic. The yeah. iconic Brendan Haywood jersey is finally yes. here. Yeah. Yes. Synonymous with Richard Hamilton. and Synonymous with the first round exit, yes. That's, uh... <laughs> God yes. damn it. I'm so upset. <laughs> All right, Rich, before we get to the next team, we want to take this time to let our listeners know that this episode of Over and Back brought to you by StatHead, the most powerful research tool in sports. StatHead is powered by the sport reference sites that you trust and use every day, including for listeners of the show, of course, 
basketballreference.com. And, you know, for this show, we, it, Stat had made it so easy for us to find all of the Hall of Famers who played for each franchise. All we did, we went to stathead.com. We, we checked a box that said played, was in the Hall of Fame. We searched for each franchise. It just gave, you know, a list of each player. We reverse sorted by win shares, included anyone in the Hall of Fame, even if they're there for coaching or non-playing reasons, made it easy for us just to get these basic names on there. And then we did the, uh, the of course, we did our research after that. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was nice and easy. Yeah, we, we were able to obviously also on Basketball Reference look up the Hall of Fame probability uh, and that sort of stuff. But yeah, it made it very easy. Stathead, and, and, and it very, very often does on this show, make it very easy uh, to do the research. So uh, you can also do your own research or join along in the research that we do uh, using our exclusive promo code BACK to get a $20 off annual subscription uh, to any of stathead.com's products. So hey, if you're even if you're a basketball fan and you're like, hey, I really want to dig into baseball reference or I really want to dig into football reference, you can do all of that. Uh, at stathead.com. Yeah, you get uh, the promo code back uh, to get $20 off an annual subscription to any of stathead.com's products. That includes the basketball site, the football site, the hockey site, the baseball site, all the stuff that they have there uh, over at stathead.com. Again, promo code back to get $20 off an annual subscription to any of their products. And we, of course, thank them for sponsoring this week's show and giving us the tools to take our research to the next level. Absolutely. So now we've got the Boston Celtics. So, as you mentioned earlier, the Knicks, 25 players in the Hall of Fame, the Hawks, 24. Well, the Celtics get out a few more. 42 Ugh, Celtics. God. <laughs> bet in the Hall of Fame. It, it's understandable. I mean, you know, they, they have a lot of franchise. I'd say they're a good franchise. Yeah. yeah. And not bad. Yeah. So, all right. So, we're listing them off. Some of these so guys, got, though. I mean, it's some of these guys are like, oh, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, they play for the Hawks. Yeah. Uh, Bob Hobbrakes. We've already talked about Bob Hobbrakes. Oh, screw this guy. We're not yeah, talking about him anymore. <laughs> two, two games for the Hawks. Excuse me. Two games for the Celtics in the 55 season. We got Carl Braun played their Knicks legend, played there at the end of his career. Artis Gilmore. We talked about Artis Gilmore in a recent episode on the uh, on the Celtics. Not a great stint there. 47 games in the 88 season. Bob McAdoo, 20 games there for in the 79 season, kind of at the nadir of the, um, of the Celtics. We got Pete Maravich, as we mentioned, played there in 1980 season. John Thompson, of course, there for his as a legendary Georgetown coach, was a big man for the uh, for the Celtics. Wayne Embry, another uh, uh, great uh, Cincinnati Royals great leader, of course, uh, you know, famous executive for the uh, Bucks and the Cavs. Shaquille O'Neal, yeah, we <laughs> memorable Shaquille O'Neal 2011 season stint with the uh, Celtics. That was a lovely time for everyone. Clyde Lovellette. Toward the end of his career as well. Yeah, a lot of guys at the end of their career, of course, come to the Celtics trying to win those championships or get that glory. Dave Bing in the 78 season. Dominique Wilkins, even the uh, the Clippers for the uh, Celtics plays there in the 95 season. Don Barksdale, one of the uh, early African-American pioneers in the NBA. Handy Andy Phillip played there in the uh, 57, 58 seasons. Bill Walton, of course, part of that 86 title team. Gary Payton. Is there um, played there in uh, the uh, the 2005 season? Of course, tr- was traded to the Hawks, then went back to the uh, Celtics, signed there before going to the Heat later. Of course, uh, Arnie Risen toward the end of his career. Of course, mostly played with the Royals. Chuck Cooper, another one of the uh, African American pioneers in the uh, league, played in the early 50s. Uh, Charlie Scott was part of that uh, 76 championship team, and also the man that he was traded for, Paul Westfall, was part of that 74 championship team before going to the Suns. 
Dino Raja just recently went into the Hall of Fame, of course, uh, the pioneer in, uh, you know, played in Europe. Well, you know, one of the uh, European players came over the 90s and influenced the NBA. Tiny Archibald, of course, you know, came in in the uh, ended up playing for the Hawks or excuse me, for the Celtics. He had the Hawks in my brain um, was on the 81 championship team, revived his career after you know having some injuries and a bunch of other stuff. Dennis Johnson, another guy who revived his uh, career by being on the Celtics in the late 80s. Bailey Howell also was part of the uh, 68 and 69 championship teams, kind of an underrated great for uh, those teams. We got Casey Jones. We got Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, of course. Frank Ramsey, another one of the uh, the, the great sixth man of his time in the late 50s, early 60s. Jojo White uh, was stalwart for the uh, Celtics in the 70s. Tom Satch Sanders played there for the 60s and early 70s. Tom Heinsohn, of course, the Tommy Gun. Tom Heinsohn, of course, the icon of the franchise for so many reasons. You got Don Nelson plays there in the uh, 60s and into the 70s, kind of bridges those two eras. Ed McCauley, one of their great players in the early uh, 50s, leaves before they end up winning a championship. Bill Sharman, another one of their great players of the uh, of the 50s, one of the great shooting guards of his time. Dave Cowens, Bob Cousy, Sam Jones, guys we've talked about a lot, of course, on the show. And then we got Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish of the uh, great 80s teams. We got John Havlicek, who bridges the eras of the 60s and 70s, great sixth man before he becomes a great star in his own right. You got Paul Pierce, you got Larry Bird, and then you close, of course, with the late, great Bill Russell. Bravo. All right. Take a drink. Take a breath there. All right. Oh, that Thank was awesome. You. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of guys there. A lot of dudes. Yeah, a lot of guys. On those, uh, those franchises. And yeah, Bill Russell, right. obviously, uh, all timer in, in, in win shares. Uh, pretty significantly above Larry Bird as well. I always thought those were those guys were a little bit closer. Uh, you know, Russell plays a, a, a decent amount more games than, than Larry Bird, but yeah, I always thought Bird was at least a little bit closer. And and Paul Pierce, shockingly, very very close uh, to to both those guys. Havlicek and Pierce both very very close to those guys too. Um, closer to Bird more so than Bill Russell, but yeah, Pierce did play uh, yeah over a thousand games for the Boston Celtics. This is pretty nuts, but. Uh, there you go. Yeah, so uh, that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of lot of dudes played for the Celtics. Good, good, good for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So Hall of Famers drafted or required, but never played for the franchise. Well, you know the only uh, the Celtics only need to lament Cliff Hagen. Of you know who uh, who definitely um, you know was Red Arbrock really really uh, wanted to keep, but was like, well, all right for Bill Russell, I'll go ahead and give up Cliff Hagen, and it worked out pretty well for the Celtics. Ever. I would say, yeah, I would say they probably don't regret that trade too much. So, yes, all right, possible future Hall of Famer. So we've got Chauncey Billups. I kind of forget. Yeah, the beginning of his career, of course, was on the Celtics, eighty-four percent, as we mentioned. Kyrie Irving, of course, loved by Celtics. Fans. Oh yeah, they cannot Celtics wait when he goes into the hall. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, I hope he 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 is adorned in a Boston Celtics jersey and and all and the in the crowd, the sea of green, just cheering on their their <laughs> their their legendary player Kyrie Irving. Cannot wait for that to uh, to occur. So, yes, absolutely, and I would say that. Um, yeah, and of course, he still has things that he possibly could accomplish in his career. Uh, but he's eighty four percent, which I I was a little bit higher than yeah, I was already. I, I was That's kind of wild. Yeah, yeah but, okay. I mean, he's he's done a lot. Obviously, I mean, yeah. you know, he's he's been in part of some important teams. He's a great scorer. I mean, he's you know, it's easy to kind of forget all of the uh, great things he's uh, done in his career because of all the, uh, the the weirdness. But yeah, he's definitely. Um, you know, he's 20 average 23 uh, points per game in his career, 5.7 assists, 
you know, um, you know, looking at uh, you know, some of his other accomplishments as well. He's definitely uh, he's been one of the, uh, the the best point guards of his era. So, yeah, I mean, definitely I would think definitely belongs in the uh, Hall of Fame at some point, um, you know, has three all NBA appearances. So, um, you know, he, he's got a good resume already. But uh, yes, I, a little surprised that he's quite that high. And also they've got Rajon Rondo and Joe Johnson, who we uh, talked about their Hall of Fame um, probabilities before. So, okay. So, um, best one of scenario. Well, honestly, I, this is the world really need a Celtics championship. I, I, we think that. I think pretty much everything has uh, gone the way that you know, it probably should have gone for them. Yeah, I'm not too uh, <laughs> too interested in that. But, uh, you know, I, I think McAdoo is probably an interesting one. Uh, you know, if he'd stuck with the Celtics through the early 80s because it would have worked, you know. Uh, you know, what would have happened with with McAdoo, Bird, Collins, Maxwell, Maravich on the 80s Celtics? That would have been, you know, kind of fun. But uh, I'm kind of with you, too. All of it felt dirty and icky. It's just like, I don't really want to give the Celtics more. <laughs> like, I don't want them to get another what if. No, no more what ifs. You know, they, they've had enough. They've had enough damn titles and enough damn wins. We don't need any more. So. Yeah, I mean, again, if you think about McAdoo there, I mean, you've got, in theory, okay, you you don't trade McAdoo, so you've got McAdoo, Bird, Cowens, Maxwell, and Maravich on the 1980 Celtics, assuming they pick up Maravich. I mean, if you look at how McAdoo produced in 1980 with the Pistons, it was definitely the worst of his career in terms of P, PER and yeah. PPM. He was still a productive scorer, though. I mean, it wasn't like he was garbage. He was definitely not a, it was not a great player that year, but he was still, you know, producing as a scorer was, but, and he was also probably not motivated because the Pistons were, you know, terrible immediately. And, um, you know, he might've played harder if he was in the Celtics. However, but yeah, the fit and the chemistry don't seem like they would have been good. He and Cowens hated each other. Um, you know, uh, obviously, you know, Arbach didn't even want him on the team. He hated the trade. He, he was happy to get rid of him. So, uh, but I, yeah, I don't know if McAdoo at that point would have been in the same mindset. He was, you know, a couple years later when he, had bounced around a little bit more. He, he joined the Lakers at that point, was willing to accept a role off the bench. Uh, I don't know if that would have been this, the case in 80 with the Celtics, but I don't know, maybe being maybe just Bird being around fixes some of those problems. I mean, yeah, uh, sure. it's possible. But yeah, I, I, I think more, more than likely does not work out well. Also, without trading McAdoo, hey, the Celtics never get the number one pick and they're not able to make the trade that netted them McHale and Parrish. So, so long-term, yeah, that that one year, maybe it helps. Maybe, you know, maybe if you, you know, if, if you do some mental gymnastics and think, okay, you get the best possible McAdoo, yeah, maybe they could win the championship that year, but definitely it's not good for the long haul for, for sure. Right, and, and and the other one that I would maybe bring up is obviously Reggie Lewis, uh, you know, has he, if he does not pass away and you can, well, yeah. and you combine him with Dino Raja, who we mentioned a little bit earlier, who did not have a very prolific NBA career career but but could have definitely been a guy that you would have seen as like a good second or third guy on on a resurgent Celtics team you know throughout the 90s is that team win a title I don't know if the Reggie Lewis Dino Raja Celtics are winning any titles or whatever uh but it certainly would have made the the mid 90s not be so much of a uh a depressing era in Celtics history I mean I wasn't depressed but I'm sure Boston was so I was perfectly fine with the Celtics having a little bit of a patch where uh you know what why don't you guys go off to the side for a little bit let uh, other teams uh, uh, dominate for uh, a while. So, but uh, yeah, that, that would be the one. I mean, obviously, Rigel is not a, uh, a Hall of Famer, but, you know, Dita Raja, who, a guy we did mention earlier, um, it would have been interesting to see those two guys together kind of easing in from the post-Bird years into something maybe a little bit different in the mid-90s. And instead, it was Dino Raja and, like, Sherman Douglas. <laughs> it was not right. that interesting or fun, so. Yeah, absolutely. All right, now we have the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, oh, we got to pick some jerseys. We got to pick some jerseys, right? Oh, I yes, I when I jumped ahead. Why, how how dare I? Yes, the ultimate Hall of Famer hipster jersey. 
I got to go Dominique Wilkins. Yeah, and that I think it could also apply to a cool kid jersey. I, I think wearing a Dominique Wilkins Celtics jersey is equal parts uh-huh. ironic and equal parts Ooh. cool. It's it's okay. Tough. You know what I mean? Because it's still Dominique, and okay. it's a deep cut. It's I, I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit of both. It, it's it's weird because I would also wow. be like, ah, this guy's kind of an asshole. But then I would also be like, that guy's kind of cool though because that's a hell of a cool. That's a really cool jersey. So because he's wearing a Celtics jersey, so I'm already like, ah, right. ask yeah, uh, about this right. guy. But then he turns around and it's at Wilkins. I'm like, man. But you're kind of making fun of the Celtics too, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's you see what I mean. There's it's tough. You got to talk to the guy then. You got to have to like have a conversation to see you know where where he aligns on the. uh, So I I think it could be equal parts for sure. Yeah. So for the cool kid jersey, I'm going Don Nelson. (laughs) Yeah, I mean you got like yeah. Once you're like you're kind of celebrating like a bit of an obscure era in in Celtics history because those '70s teams don't quite. I mean they were good, but they don't you know quite get the shine that the you know the the Russell teams and the Bird teams get. Obviously, you get Don Nelson like you know the eccentric you know the mad genius you know eccentric personality you know weird coach. I mean I, I you you celebrate a very kind of specific strain of, uh, you know, NBA history when you, when you got Don Nelson. So I yeah, think and a lot of other is, strains with uh, current Don Nelson. Too, oh so. yeah. There you go. Nice. I like, if you're at I a like concert getting, uh, you know, enjoying the concert, uh, you're, you're doing a little yeah. ode to Don Nelson. I'm sure so. it's, it's almost like you're celebrating the 08 warriors when you wear the Don Nelson. Song yes. <laughs> right, in, right. In some way. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So. Steven Jackson is being celebrated while you're, you know, that while, while you're doing exactly. That, so. Yeah. Right. Uh, I am going to go with Dino Raja, the aforementioned oh. Dino Raja. I think that'd be really okay. cool to be walking around in right. Dino Raja. Uh, you're probably Croatian. There's a good chance. There's like a 90% yeah. chance you're a Croatian guy. But right. if you're just like a random dude wearing a Dino Raja shirt, if you're just like a random American guy wearing it, then I think you're yeah. you're, you're ultra cool, man. That's really cool. Nice. Nice. Like a good old Dino Raja. I don't know if Dino, uh, he's not, he doesn't have any bad things in his life, does he? I forget if Dino Raja, I think he's fine, right? All right. Uh, yeah. I don't think I guess Dino it depends Raja's if you're from that. like Yugoslavia or whatever. You well, might not. Right, I don't know right, about, right. I'm not getting involved yeah. in any of that stuff. No, I don't know anything about that's, that. So. That's not our, uh, that's not, not that's, my forte. The, uh, yeah, yeah. the civil wars and stuff. I don't do any of that. I'm just talking about basketball wise. I think he's, yeah, he's pretty cool. So, all right, we'll go with that. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Okay. And I think Let's he told Rick Pitino to like suck his dick too. So that's oh, that's too, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was like, that's great. You suck. I'm out of here. Bye. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah. No, that's that, that ultimately earns him a uh, merit in my book. <laughs> right, so, right, right. Yeah, that's going to overcome a lot of sins. I'm yeah, say. Oh, for sure, so, for sure. Yeah. Right. All right. So now the 76ers. The uh, only 22 players for the uh, 76ers, slightly lower than um, I might have expected. I mean, obviously the, the Sixers have not. You know, they've not won. A great many championships, but I was expecting a little bit higher, perhaps. Anyway, we got Bob McAdoo. Yes, he played very in the 86 season, played very end of his career, played for the uh, 76ers, 29 games. We got Chris Weber. Who could forget the Chris Weber era for the uh, 76ers, the, the, the great Weber Iverson experiment post injury? Uh, yeah, he couldn't like run or jump. But yeah, right. he could still he could still shoot a little from the mid range. So it was he, uh, could, he could pass. Yeah, yeah he, he could pass. pass. He had a headband. Yeah. Right. He was kind of fat. It was it was a it was a Chris Weber for sure. He had a headband. Yeah, it right. was a delightful the headband, Chris Weber, yeah. but it was a Chris yeah. Weber for sure. It was a Chris Weber. Yeah. So uh, we got Tony Kukoc. We got Bailey Howell. Uh, we got Alex Hannum. Uh, early on, as his uh, career played for the uh, well, there was the Nationals, of course, at that point. So. Uh, we got George Yardley. George Yardley, of course, moving on from the uh, he moved on from the Pistons. Had a brief stint with the uh, Nationals. Yeah, those fifty nine Nationals were uh, were pretty tough. They gave the uh, Celtics a bit of a scare in the uh, playoffs that year. Uh, Dikembe Mutombo, of course, uh, previously mentioned Earl Lloyd, another great um, African American pioneer, won the championship in uh, fifty five with the Nationals. 
Al Servi, of course, great NBL and later uh, NBA star with the uh, Nationals after coming from the uh, Royals in the NBL. George McGinnis uh, played a few years with the Sixers, of course, defecting from the ABA. Moses Malone, foe, foe, foe. Had a couple of stints with the um, Sixers, of course. Uh, Chet Walker uh, was you know, part of the, that great uh, 60s team, including the uh, 67 championship team that set the uh, wins record for a single season. Bobby Jones, of course, in the uh, 80s, you know, one of the complimentary pieces for uh, those uh, Sixer teams with uh, Julia Serving. Larry Costello, just uh, going to be inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame, you know, was uh, before he was uh, a coach and a contributor in the NBA, was also an excellent player for the uh, Sixers. Billy Cunningham, another, uh, you know, the great star in the uh, NBA and, and also had a couple years in the ABA. Will Chamberlain, of course, uh, uh, Allen Iverson. Uh, don't, don't need to say too much about Allen Iverson. Obviously, a great icon of the uh, game, took the Sixers to the 2001 Finals. Maurice Cheeks, another one of the great 80s pieces. Hal Greer, uh, long stint with the um, with the Nationals and the 76ers, part of that 67 team. Uh, Charles Barkley. Julia Serving and Dolph Shays, of course, talked about earlier with the uh, the Nationals. That his last year did play with the uh, 76ers franchise, and if he was the coach for the uh, 76ers for yep. a couple of years, so yeah. All right, yeah, I, I am. I was shocked to, to see this, but apparently, and none that we could find, at least, no Hall of Famers who were drafted or acquired but never played for the uh, franchise. So hey, yeah, they've done a good uh, job. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. I, I we did our research. I didn't find any. I was thinking off the top of my head, and and, and a couple of days. Later, I'm sure there's probably somebody we may have missed, but I don't know. I, I yeah, I really tried, and I didn't. Uh, I was not able to find anybody. Yeah, the draft is easy to find. The never the trades in which yeah maybe a guy was acquired but then didn't get then got bought out couldn't find any so yeah yeah don't so. think there are any so all right possible future hall of famers you got james harden 99 percent for james harden he's been mvp what, what once or twice has he been MVP uh, twice? Or twice? Uh, once i think yeah. once yeah i don't know if it, he, I, I he's been like twice. second in mvp several yeah times yes so, yeah there's been so, several times know, where he, he yeah was, he was a lot all nba around. i mean I, yeah clearly gonna be hall of famer just it, whatever negatives you what you think of james harden i think he's clearly oh no no yeah one of the one of the yeah. greatest scores in, in nba yeah. history Probably first ballot all thing. Oh yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, Dwight Howard, as we mentioned, also ninety nine percent, and uh, Jimmy Butler. All these legacy Sixers, yeah. All these legacy Philadelphia yeah. Sixers, yeah. right? Yeah. Jimmy Butler, Dwight Howard, and James Harden. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what. Yeah, we'll see what ends up being with James Harden. I mean, maybe yeah, he he can uh, carry them with Embiid to uh, sure. some great some glory. I mean, that they, they they seem like they're reasonably, despite all the you know the bad vibes that they, the issues that they've had. Um, you know, they, they could be really good teams. It's not really impossible. No. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, by the way, Harden, six times uh, All-NBA first team um, and one time All-NBA uh, third team. And, yes, he has finished uh, – he won MVP twice. He finished uh, second twice. He finished third uh, one time. So, uh, you know, been in contention for that for a uh, for a long time. So, yeah, so what if scenario – why don't you do yours first, Rich? All right, my what if – is Dikembe joins the team and Iverson single-handedly leads the Sixers over the Lakers to win the NBA Finals. I just think how much of the NBA changes, how much the league changes. Do teams then buy in finally to the idea that, hey, a single player, a point guard at that? Because this at this time, it was still the, hey, no, a point guard cannot lead a team to it. And, and right. really, yeah, it's still, you know, with the exception of, you know, maybe a, a, you know, once Steph Curry you know, comes in and, and kind of changes the entire trajectory of the game and the, the geometry of the game. Uh, it was still, you know, you know, you can't win a championship with like one guy and that guy, the best guy in your team being a point guard or whatever. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. Uh, you know, people ignore Isaiah Thomas or whatnot. But yeah, for the most part, it was like, yeah, this little guy is not going to be able to lead you. But 
more than anything, like Iverson, the way that Iverson played, his persona, everything about Allen Iverson, if he wins that title, it's just, I think, so much of NBA history changes. And, and right. just so much, yeah. the, the the game changes, the way that people play changes, the way I, I, Iverson's perceived changes. Like, there's so many things that I think are, are just completely different. If he wins that title, single-handedly beats the Lakers, single-handedly beats the vaunted Lakers, and like it's not impossible. Like, yeah, obviously they 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 won the one game and then they very quickly got. But I, I do think that yes, yeah, so much of the NBA history changes, so much of Iverson's legacy changes if he wins that title. Yeah, you know, it'd be interesting because correct me if I'm wrong, but they 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 made that trade at least in part because Ratliff got hurt, right? They uh, yes, I believe that's the case. Yeah. So if Ratliff hadn't gotten hurt and they kept the you know because because they did sacrifice some depth for that team. I mean, obviously they, they got Matumbo, but they lost Ku coach. They lost some some of their depth in that team. If Ratliff doesn't get hurt and they're able to keep the team as it was, you know what difference? It, it maybe doesn't make any difference. They, you know, maybe they still lose or maybe they're maybe they're even worse um, without that. I don't know. Obviously they you know, they had, it was a close call against the Raptors in the playoffs, but. Um, you know, that 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 might be an interesting. What if too as well? I mean, it, again, it, that, of course, the idea here is that Iverson's able to um, do that, or you know, may, maybe they get just get like one more piece of depth. Because I mean, that you know, that series against the Lakers. I mean, you know, the Sixers put up a tough fight, but it wasn't particularly close series. Um, but yeah, that, you know, that's an interesting one because that definitely, I think, the perception of Iverson obviously changes a lot. And, and you're right, the the perception of small versus big. Um, changes a lot and that you know that obviously happens later but if Iverson's able to you know kind of break through in that way that's that's really interesting and Um, and also because that team especially catered so much to just Iverson you you know it was like all right look how are we going to get the most out of this player well we're just going to surround him with a bunch of guys who don't want to shoot the ball ever and then he could just shoot the ball like it's just you know the whole concept of 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 team you know changes when it's like well shit maybe you can just give one guy in your team and let him take every shot. And then the other guys can all be, you know, defensive guys and, and, and whatnot. And, and yeah, that could have worked. And yeah, you, you mentioned Theo Ratliff and people probably don't know, but, or if you don't remember, Ratliff was great that year. Like he was a, a an all-star right. that year. He led yeah. the league in blocks. He was on his way to having like a career year. And then he got hurt. And that's when they were right. like, all right, crap. Like what yeah. do we got to do? Because we need to, you know, fill in the gap that, and they get to come in with which fills in that gap perfectly. Hey, we're, we, you know, we have a guy that's blocking a lot of shots and he's hurt. What do we do? Oh, acquire the other greatest blocker in the league uh, sure. at the time with, with to come But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. If that team maybe doesn't even need to come in and, and can still uh, be, be tremendous that year. Yeah. I just, it's so much of NBA history, I think changes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for me, it's, uh, yeah, what if Billy Cunningham doesn't get hurt in the 68 playoffs? Uh, the Sixers are able to beat the Celtics and then able to likely, you know, win the championship um, over the Lakers that year. Uh, and then, hey, does Wiltz decide to stay in Philly after back-to-back titles instead of leaving and going to the Lakers at that point? Does the six Do the Sixers have a chance to have, like, a legitimate dynasty, not just, you know, one great championship year? I mean, I think that's definitely... Uh, that changes Wilt's legacy a lot. That changes the um, the Sixers' legacy. That changes the Celtics' legacy. That changes the Lakers' legacy of you know all those different times. So that's definitely um, uh, that's definitely a big one for me. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely. Um, yeah, his career and, and and the Sixers kind of change a lot uh, with that. Right. So right, absolutely. So all right, ultimate Hall of Fame history. Okay, so so this one isn't really ironic, but I did the I didn't see the uh, the Sixers uh, having like a great ironic one. The one that you 
pick was pretty good, but I went Bobby Jones. You know, when in doubt, go with the white guy. That's what I say. <laughs> For sure. That's, that's what yeah. I tend to right. do. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm going Weber. I'm going like, you know, especially if it's worn by like kind of a fat guy. It's It kind of works like the, it's like the weird, you know, those weird Sixers black jerseys that aren't that good, but people pretended were right. good. Right. Uh, and people probably still to this day pretend are good, but they're not really that good. And it's like, yeah, it's just, you know, Chris Weber walking I around. I think they're and, bringing those back this year. I'm sure they are. Again, yeah, I'm sure they are. So we're bringing back the horse for God's sakes. The Detroit Pistons horse. I mean, anything is <laughs> anything up for back grabs. The horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. But yeah. Uh, yeah, anything's up. So I, I like Weber as my my hipster jersey. So okay, all right, that's good. So the ultimate cool kid jersey. Uh, yeah, I'd love to say Julius Irving, but honestly, it's going to be Allen Iverson. Probably. Yeah, it's going to be Allen Iverson. But I have the caveat as as you probably Ooh. can. Uh, uh, I don't. I do not like those like early two thousand seventy six er jerseys. Yeah. I want Iverson in like the red, like the classic the red. red. Yeah. Like, okay. I, the, I think it was only his first year, maybe a second year in the league. Like yeah, that's prime. that's the one. The Sixers, I, just yeah. classic Sixers. I like it. Um, the, that's that's the play there. Pre pre Rose Iverson. Yeah. The, yes. The, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, the Iverson, the end of his career, because you know, of course he came back to Philly toward the end of his oh, that's career. Right. And, yeah, yeah. He did wear those red the, jerseys then. Yeah. Yeah. Those were nice too. So. Yeah. Not not quite as iconic, but but for the cool kids, yeah, you want a little bit of the obscurity there. So I think that's a that's a good one. I, right, right, I dig right, it for sure. All right, all right. We've got the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, only thirty one yeah. as compared to forty two. They are for definitely the, uh, less Celtics. than the Celtics. Yeah, it's a lot less right. than the Celtics. Los Angeles. Yeah. What are you guys doing over there? What are you guys doing? Yeah, I don't know. Well, here's what we got. So we've got Dennis Rodman, nineteen ninety nine season. Uh, uh, we got Mitch Richmond uh, trying to hang on to winning that championship in uh, 2002 at age 36. They got Charlie Scott, who was on the 78 uh, team that was derailed because of the, uh, of course, uh, you know, because of the Kermit Washington, uh, Ritan Janovich fight. We got Zelmo Beatty, who uh, came back to the uh, NBA, played in the 75 season for the Lakers. You got Don Nelson, who before he went to the Celtics, had a couple years with the Lakers. You got Spencer Haywood, who's uh, yeah was on the uh, eighty title team, but then got uh, kicked off for uh, drug use and then uh, plotted to murder his coach. Uh, you got Slick Leonard. <laughs> you got to um, you played with the uh, the early the the late fifties, uh, early sixties uh, Lakers before, of course, he went into coaching. Let's see in the Hall of Fame because he's a coach. You got Pat Riley, who was on the seventies uh, Lakers. Of course, he's in there for his coaching. Yeah, Carl Malone, of course, the wonderful two thousand and four. Uh, a season for the uh, Lakers. Um, you got Steve Nash. You got spent a couple years with the uh, Lakers because the uh, now we're having fun uh, Lakers with Dwight Howard and Kobe. Lou Hudson toward the end of his career uh, played with the uh, Lakers. Uh, Connie Hawkins got a stint with Lakers after the uh, played for the uh, Suns. Gary Payton 2004 season along with Carl uh, Malone. Bob McAdoo of course you know had a second uh, stint at coming off the bench. Uh, you know ended up. Uh, contributing to the uh, 82 and 85 championship teams. Adrian Danley kind of bounced around early in his career. He had a stint with the, uh, with the Lakers before being traded uh, to, uh, to the jazz and where he ended up landing for uh, Spencer Haywood, uh, Clyde Lovellette, who was a uh, part of the uh, 54 championship team as the backup big for Mike and he had some standout uh, seasons there. You got Jim Pollard and Slater Martin of the uh, early, uh, the Minneapolis Lakers glory days, uh, you got Vlade Divac. Of course, he had a couple uh, stints with the um, Lakers in the uh, in the early '90s, and then came back for his final year in, in 2005 after those Kings years. Uh, you got Jamal Wilkes, part of the early '80s uh, success teams. Um, Gail Goodrich. You got Will Chamberlain. You got James Worthy. 
you got Vern Mickelson there in the uh, in the fifties, part of the the Mike and Lakers Minneapolis Lakers teams. You got Shaq, you got Elgin Baylor, you got George Mikan, you got Magic Johnson, you got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you got Jerry West, and you got Kobe Bryant. So those yeah, guys don't those... really need to, to give too many details on those guys. Those no, guys pretty much have that, names. Yeah, that, that final list, man. Those are some dudes. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like the right. it's 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 yeah. you're talking about some of the all time. I mean, guys like in the conversation for the all time best ever. I mean, that that's yeah, it's, it's a yeah that, that final four all 150 plus win shares for all those dudes. I, I mean, that that's yeah, it's pretty significant. Right. I mean, pretty much the last seven guys on that list, all those guys are in the like top 15 or at least top 20 conversation in NBA of of greatest players in NBA. History. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. All right, Hall of Famers drafted or acquired but never played for the franchise. Only one, Sam Jones. He was actually drafted one year before he was drafted by the uh, the Celtics. He was drafted by the Lakers, but decided not to uh, decided not to not to come out to the NBA. Um, he ended up uh, playing one more year. It may have been a military service obligation. I, I forget why he didn't come, but um, but yeah, he came one year later, of course, to the uh, Celtics. But the Lakers could add Sam Jones. But, That'd be a, a very interesting. What if? Yeah, Sam yeah, Jones very interesting. Yeah. yeah, right. Oh yeah, absolutely. So. All right, uh, possible future Hall of Famers. It's a long list. We got LeBron James, 100%. Yeah, not surprising. Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you got in the Hall of Fame. You got Dwight Howard. You got Russell Westbrook, who is 99%, definitely going to the Hall of Fame. Maybe not going to remember his Lakers uh, years so well. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's going yeah. to the Lakers jersey. but Yeah, oh, no, that's going to happen. Yeah, we got uh, Anthony Davis, 98%. Yeah, Carmelo Anthony was talked about 98%. We got Powell Gasol. 93%, and Rajon Rondo, two different stints with the Lakers, 60%. So as we talked about before. So, yeah. Uh, best what-if scenarios, again, as long with the, as as we said with the Celtics, eh, don't really feel like we need any what-if scenarios to help them. I think they've had enough success. So, Yeah, I was just going to give like Jerry West one of the one or two of those titles. You yeah? Know. Yeah, give him one. Yeah, just he's not such know. a miserable bastard. You know I mean? I'm sure he still would have been, but... I don't know if that's going to help that much yet. I, honest, I, so. maybe, yeah, you're right. Probably not. So I mean, maybe give him one just to... All but right. yeah, he's probably still going to be a miserable bastard, so... All right. All right. Ultimate Hall of Fame hipster jersey. I'm going with Rodman. Uh, yeah, might, like the weird number. Yeah. He's just yeah. not good. He's kind of sweaty right. all the time. He's just right. like, he's just dripping. Why are you like, sweating so much? He's just <laughs> dripping vodka. It's yeah. It's yeah. The Lakers Rodman years were, uh, were were an interesting one. That'd be a a really sweet jersey wear. The old seventy three. Seventy three. That's right. Yes, the old seventy three. Yeah, that's uh, good. That's yeah, a good I, one. Uh, I would say Westbrook someday. It definitely could be Westbrook. I think right now it's going to be Robin. So. Yeah, for sure. I'm going Vladi Divac. I think a Vladi okay. Divac jersey as uh, a hipster jersey would be pretty cool. So okay, yeah. Again, less less irony, but but yeah, we, yeah. When in doubt, go with the white guy or go with the European guy. <laughs> right, so, right, right, right. All right, ultimate cool kid jersey. Yeah, I don't know if cool kids wear Lakers jersey. I think it's sort of like it. It's sort of uh, yeah. I I just don't see. I don't know. Like maybe like Baylor. You know. Like maybe maybe if you're respecting one of the old guys, maybe even like a Minneapolis Lakers jersey, maybe I can see that. You know, sure. maybe if you're going to go like Mike in or somebody, but outside of that, I don't see the cool kids wearing like. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with you. I would say the, the I would only respect somebody wearing a Kareem Lakers jersey and pretty much no other. Okay. I would find cool. So I, I think maybe rocking a Kareem Lakers would be cool, but yeah. All right, all right, fair enough. Okay, so all right, next we have the Kings. the The Kings they have 21 names on here. We got uh, Ralph Sampson, sort of the sad stint toward the uh, end of his career. We got Guy Rogers briefly uh, played for back when they were the Royals. Uh, Bob Cousy, of course, came out of retirement, played seven games for the Royals, did not go well. 
uh, Jojo White at the end of his career. Uh, Rick Adelman of it had played a few games. Of course, he's in as a coach. Uh, Red Holzman uh, played for the uh, Royals in the um, in the BA in the BA and the NBA. Also, uh, not accounted for here, but he actually was a, a fairly big star in the NBA. Only had 1.8 win shares during his uh, time in the uh, in the NBA. Uh, we got uh, Sarunas Marshallonis, of course, one of the great uh, international players of the 90s. You got Alex Hannum, of course, Warren as a coach. Clyde Lovellette, we've talked about, is on a few of these teams. Uh, Maurice Stokes, of course, one of the great what-if uh, you know, tragedies or early tragedies of the uh, NBA, but you know, during his playing days, of course, was a brilliant player. You got Wayne Embry, we talked about earlier. We got Vlade Divots, of course, one of the stalwarts for those uh, early 2000s Kings teams, along with Chris Webber. Uh, Arnie Risen was part of the great uh, Royals teams of the early 50s that won 58 championship and always, you know, battled the Lakers for uh, supremacy of the Western Division. Bob Davies, one of the great guards of his era. Yeah, Mitch Richmond, of course, kind of held the Kings together during the uh, 90s, an era in which they were terrible. One of several areas in which the uh, Kings were uh, were terrible. Uh, Tiny Archibald, uh, the early uh, 70s, of course, you know, one of the great guards of uh, his time. You got Jerry Lucas, of course. Uh, you know, one of the great bigs during his time, one of the great eccentrics of uh, NBA uh, history with all his uh, his memory tricks. You got Bobby Wands or another got one of those uh, one of those 50s uh, kings. Uh, Jack Twyman, one of the great scorers of the late 50s and early 60s. And of course, the uh, I was going to call him the big dog. I don't know why I'm going to call him the big dog. But, uh, you know, the, the true icon of uh, franchise, Mr. Triple Double, Oscar Robertson. Yep. The big O. <laughs> big O. The big dog, yes. too. Let's call him the big yeah, dog. The big dog. All right. The big dog. <laughs> Yeah, with it, with, we'll just capital lowercase d, uh, right. lowercase g, capital O. So it, oh, it works exactly. The big O and the big dog. So. <laughs> I appreciate that, Rich. Yeah, good assist. All right. Yes. So yeah, no Hall of Famers drafted or acquired, but never played that we could find. Interesting. So, all right, possible future Hall of Famers. Uh, this Carter. list is awful. I hate this right. list so much. <laughs> we, 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 we got Vince Carter. We had a bit of a stint. Yeah. Uh, uh, forgot he was a king. The, uh, yeah. The Kings. Yeah. Rajon Rondo. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, a couple who are you know, way below the 50% line, but I think are worth noting. First of all, uh, yeah, Pia Stoyakovic. So he only has 11%, but I could definitely see him getting in, you know, for his international play for, you know, kind of being a pioneer, um, you know, played for Serbia, you know, they won the, they won the, they finished gold in I think the world championships one year. Um, I definitely see him as a possible, you know, getting in for, you know, the international reasons. I think so, too. Um, yeah. I, and yeah. I know he he won like a Eurobasket MVP at one point and, and uh, has a pretty prolific. I think he won the, the gold in the FIBA World Cup. I'm looking this up yeah. just to in clarify. 02, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then he also yeah, won a gold so. in the in the Eurobasket for uh, in, in 2001 as well. So he's sure. got two gold. I mean, they're not Olympic gold medals, but they're gold medals. Yeah. He's got a lot in his international career that I think. And, and hell, his, his NBA career is pretty solid, too. It's just not oh, like. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so uh, yeah, I, I'd say I, I could see him definitely being a guy that in like five to ten years gets in, you, you know, where people. Maybe there's a yeah. low year, there's a light year, and people go, "Hey, you know, Pedro Sakovic has a pretty, uh, pretty, you know, prolific career. Maybe we should put him in there." Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like if somebody like Dino Raja is, no disrespect to him, and he had a great international career, but I think Sakovic definitely it seems like he yeah. feels like he belongs mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, and also um, interesting name here, but Isaiah Thomas, the of course the Isaiah with the extra A, not the Pistons. Isaiah Thomas played for ten teams in his career, but Sacramento, of course, the most he had seven percent Hall of Fame probability, which which is um, I mean he had a couple of those great years with the uh, with the Celtics, and you know certainly um, 
you know, put up some numbers for a brief time, but seven per, now I don't think there's any chance he's getting in the hall of fame, but that was a higher number than I kind of expected. So, all right. What if scenario? Yeah. And pretty much the, we all know where this is. Yeah. <laughs> we the, all know the, the 2002 Western conference files, if they're able to, to, you know, to, to beat the Lakers there, um, make the finals likely win the championship against, you know, a, a pretty weak Nets team. Um, I think that uh, obviously changes a lot there. Other than that, don't really see a what if scenario that's uh, that's worth noting. No, that's it. Yeah, Divac just grabs the rebound, or he just fumbles it, doesn't get a shot off in time. Maybe he just clanks off right. the side of the backboard or something like that. Right. It's just that's it. I mean, it, it, it so much changes with that moment. Uh, we probably get you know Phoenix Suns and or Warriors revolution a few years before, where it's like, hey, team basketball shooting, you know, outside shooting, and uh, it probably happens a little bit sooner. Um, obviously, you didn't have the the, the horses yet in that era of the NBA to really do it but yeah we probably teams are definitely constructed a little bit different if, if Sacramento does win that title and it's like oh okay like this is one way to play too instead of just having a dominant guy or two dominant guys like you can have a team full of you know guys that are all pretty all good I mean and that's that's not taking anything away from Weber who was who was tremendous uh during that uh era too but yeah it's just so much it's a super fun team to go back and watch and and, and see how they play and yeah a lot of, I think a lot of NBA history changes if they just you know win that if, if, honestly, even if they go to the finals, I think a lot of it changes. But if they win that title, which they probably would have done, uh, yeah, I, I, a ton changes. So, All right, ultimate hipster jersey. I'm going to go with Kuzi. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good one. I'm going Strunas. Uh, Strunas, oh, yeah. I, I, I think that one's going to work there. But yeah, Bob, yeah. Bob Kuzi right. works uh, pretty well, uh, too. Yeah, because it's obscure. It's, it's a player people. I mean, Kuzi's a, like, obviously, I wouldn't say well-known, but he's a name that, like, you know, like – you know, strong to casual MB fans at least have heard of. So um, I would say that's a good one. And then, you know, the, the Royals years, I think that's a, a nice one. Yeah, I, I like Marshallanus too. Um, yeah, ultimate uh, cool kid jersey. I'm going to go with Tiny Archibald. Yeah, a little Nate Tiny Archibald would have been. Yeah, yeah those that, 70s that's... jerseys are nice too. You know, those are those are nice ones. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm going Mitch Richmond. I think it's a cool because it's like, okay. you know, you, re- you respect, you know, the the, two th- the, the mid 90s Kings, one right. of the few people that respects the mid 90s Kings. And I don't know, I think it'd be kind of cool to have a Mitch Richmond Kings jersey. So yeah, I'm, I'm okay. going with that as the cool. So thing, are so. we going with, are we going with like, uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, they had some weird because they had like the weird checkerboard ones. I don't know if I'm counting the I checkerboard think, ones. Yeah, are we like, previous to that? Because those those like powder blue ones are nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know because yeah, they went they got a little weird there in the 90s. I think I think I would prefer the powdered blue ones. Yeah, I like yeah the powder blue ones are nice. I'm just I'm trying to because um, he 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 spanned the gap. He also played when they had like the ones that everybody knows, like the 2000s ones, just the the basic kind of and I, I don't think those jerseys are too bad i, I kind of like those but then he also had he also lived through the weird like half of it's purple half of it's black and the sides are checkerboard for some reason i don't know what we were uh uh doing during those uh that is not a cool kid one that might be a hipster one if you wear that jersey if you if you roll up with the mitch okay. richmond checkerboard uh, uh uh jersey which i'm sure at some point we're gonna bring back and be like oh the iconic okay <laughs> relive the so- 1993 sacramento kings with these iconic jerseys so so okay, so Richmond. I'm looking at the uh, NBA jersey database. A great resource, by the way. Oh yeah. So uh, Richmond did not play with the powder blue ones. He played with that design, that same design, but they were the dark blue ones. Oh, by the time okay. He, all right, all right. Um, was there? So that those those were the jerseys from '90 to '94, and then they switched to the more the the purple and black ones that they had from. Uh, yeah, from 94 to like 2002 ish. Um, 
and then they went to, then they kind of changed that design in the in 2002 to a similar design similar colors but uh, they didn't have the black um the the black ones as much um yeah the checkerboard ones from 94 and 97 so he definitely wore some the checkerboard ones yeah. for a time so yeah so i would say the 90 94 ones would be the style that i would go with um on there yeah i'm a little surprised he doesn't say divot though i feel like uh, or divot or weber i feel like those are um yeah, those are cool but they're a little too yeah. you know you, you've mentioned it before like yeah like the, they're a little too, too obvious. on the nose. They're too, too obvious. obvious. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. They're too All much. Right. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I get Divac, it. Yeah, kings. Okay. I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah. it. All right, I'm with you. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, it'd just be a little. It's a little too corporate. A little too mainstream for me. So. Yeah. All right. I am gonna. We now are gonna talk about the Detroit Pistons. Twenty five players in their uh, in their history. So, uh, we've got Alex Hannum. Uh, we got Chuck Cooper. We got uh, Nat. Clifton. Yeah, it's funny how many of these guys uh, played for uh, lots of teams in the yeah, uh, early yeah. 50s, of course. Um, we got Earl Lloyd. Um, so, yeah, all, all three of the three of the four um, who, you know, the African-American, early African-American players all played for the uh, Pistons, which is interesting. Uh, Bob McAdoo, 64 games in the 1980 season, more on him to come. Uh, Tracy McGrady, of course, uh, legendary uh, Celtics, uh, <laughs> Pistons, uh, Tracy McGrady. We got Allen Iverson, of course, who had that uh, that brief um, Pistons uh, stint in the uh, the trade for Chauncey Billups. You got Chris Weber, who's after he's with the uh, with with Philly. He went to, he played for the Pistons. Um, you got Rod Thorne in the uh, mid '60s. Harry Gallatin after his uh, after his uh, Knicks days played for the uh, Pistons. You got Walt Bellamy played briefly for the Pistons, also coming from the uh, Knicks as well. You got uh, Bob Halbregs, who's uh, most of his NBA career was played for the uh, Pistons, actually did play fairly well for the Pistons for a couple of years, uh, including on their finals teams. Uh, Dick McGuire, uh, after his Knicks years, um, Andy Phillip, uh, one of the uh, handy Andy, one of the one of the better guards of his time was on the 55, 56 uh, finals teams. Uh, Adrian Dantley, of course, um, played for the 88 finals team. Uh, Dave DeBusher, before he went to the uh, Knicks, had some really good years with the um, Pistons, the youngest player coach in history. George Yardley, one of the uh, great scorers of the uh, 50s. Well, he really he pushed the ball in terms of being a uh, forward scorer. Um, Bailey Howell, uh, early on in his career in the early 60s. Dennis Rodman, of course, the bad boy Pistons. Dave Bing, of course, you know, the great, great player of the late 60s, early in mid 70s. Grant Hill, of course, uh, late '90s. You know, um, we hit the, the the horse jerseys. Uh, uh, not the best jerseys, but certainly a great uh, player for the uh, Pistons. Ben Wells, of course, you know, I- iconic Piston. Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, and Bob Lanier, who we uh, talked about a lot recently in the way when he passed away. Yeah, it's it's it's. An interesting list of people. There's a lot of the, that lower end is a lot of like, oh yeah, <laughs> like they had like yeah. you know, fifty game, thirty game runs there, but uh, sure. yeah, not not a ton of like high end, high end guys. I mean, Lanier uh, obviously, and 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 Dumars and 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 Thomas and Ben Wallace and Grant Hill and Dave right. Bing, like those guys uh, kind of stand out. But yeah, probably less than you would think for a franchise that had been around forever and has been you know pretty successful a lot of times too. Right. Yeah. They they have they have it outside of Isaiah and even Isaiah to a degree like not got quite they they've never had like that like nobody on this list is a top 10 probably not even top 20 maybe not even top 30 all-time player right i mean maybe isaiah might be you could maybe make a case for isaiah top 30 maybe but outside of that like yeah they've never like grant hill like well grant hill like um at his peak 
you know, may have been like a top 25 all-time player. Like if you look at the peak of Grant Hill versus the peak of you know, like every guy in NBA history, you could maybe think about that. But outside of that, yeah, they don't really have that kind of level of, of guy in their history, which is interesting. Um, and at least a lot of really good players, but all of their best teams have been, you know, um, a, you know, a group effort, you know, a, com- a combination of three or four really good guys that led them to a championship as opposed to, you know, one guy who was absolutely driving that, you know, um, Isaiah being, I guess, the, the closest guy in their history. So, yeah. Uh, so Hall of Famers drafted or acquired but never played for the franchise. You got Bill Sharman, who uh, actually went to the uh, Pistons in the in a dispersal draft, but then uh, was traded to the uh, Celtics before he played there. And Dan Issel, who was drafted, I think it was well known that he played for the University of Kentucky, was going to Kentucky in the ABA, but was drafted late by the Pistons in a just-in-case situation. So, um, yeah, possible future Hall of Famers. You got Chauncey Billups, as mentioned, 84%. Blake Griffin, 55%. What do you think of Blake Griffin's Hall of Fame chances? Yeah, it's it's unfortunately, I don't think he's going to add much to it. Uh, There was a time where I would have definitely thought, wow, that guy is absolutely a Hall of Famer. But uh, unfortunately, it was that Pistons run that kind of sealed, I think. He'd be a tough one. I, I maybe later on in his career, maybe we can go, or you know, we can, or later, you know, after he retires, you know, ten years after, maybe. But I don't. know. I just don't love it. I, I an important player for a couple of years, but I don't think he's got enough to be a, a true Hall of Famer to me, at least. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I I would say he is in a similar boat to Amaris Stoudemire. Like I think of them in similar ways as. Like they were really good for a while. They were important players. They were obviously very athletic and exciting players. Um, I think Blake, I mean, you know, one thing, he was such a great passer and, um, you know, a a fun guy to be in the league. But, I mean, he was a five-time All-NBA player, though. I mean, that's probably more than I would have um, expected uh, him to have. Obviously, those Clippers teams were, you know, they were really good. They were never quite – uh, you know, they, they, they obviously uh, didn't get uh, very far. They never got to the finals or anything, but uh, always, you know, fell to the Spurs or to the Warriors in the playoffs. But, um, yeah, he was a three-time second team, two-time third-team All-NBA, but was never, like, anywhere near, like, a, you know, an MVP candidate or nothing like, like that. I mean, maybe even his peak wasn't quite as good as Amari, but I think it, I kind of think of him in similar terms um, there. So, uh, by the way, just looking at some of the other – uh, Pistons. Rasheed Wallace is at 8.5%. I don't think he's getting in. Rip Hamilton, 1.7%. Andre Drummond, for some reason, is at 1.9%. I guess <laughs> so they love all, getting the all those rebounds. Yeah, I guess a lot yeah. of rebounds. Do that. Yeah, but, um, but that's interesting, you know, so. All right, so what if scenarios? Uh, I'll, I'll do mine first here. I think sure. they still probably lose, but I think the Pistons making the finals in 2003 would have been a really fun scenario. Obviously, that's a year before uh, they win the championship. Uh, it's the team that, that they were good. Like people kind of think that, oh, Rashid went there and then they got good. Like, no, they were really, really good before that. And they were right on the cusp of of making finals and, and winning titles and getting on a big run. But uh, I think it would have been really interesting to see them make the finals in 2003. I think it adds to a lot of these guys' legacies in terms of like, especially like Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Billups and those guys uh, really adds to them. And, and then maybe, you know, they make the finals in any of those next three years as well, because it does feel like to a lot of people, they're kind of a one and done year. And they're like, Oh yeah, they had this one blip of a year where, you know, Rashid came and rip came and all that sort of stuff. But I do think if they had maybe, you know, they made six straight Eastern conference finals, like, and had a lot of opportunities uh, to make more NBA finals and, and, and maybe win another title or two. So uh, it would have been cool to see them uh, do that. Cause I think it does help 
uh, Rashid and 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 Rip and 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 you know all those guys, Tayshawn Prince and, and and Billups too, helps all those guys with their legacy a little bit more uh, if they didn't feel like so much of like a one and done team like they did. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and obviously they make all of those conference finals. You know, they were such a a good team for a long time. I mean, you know, um, you know, almost great team for a long time. They make all those conference finals in a row. They definitely had a shot at, um, you know, winning another championship uh, at, at different times. It just didn't quite happen for them. But yeah, but they they're able to win one more, at least get to another finals. I think that kind of changes um, what they are, are thought of. So. Um, hipster Jersey, I am going to go with Bob McAdoo and I, and I specifically, uh, not just because of McAdoo being there and just because of like kind of, all of the weirdness around that, but those Detroit, those 78 to 81, um, uniforms where they've got like those lightning bolts on there and they're trying to like make it like pizzazz. Like it's almost yeah, yeah. like they are, um, it's almost like they're trying to, like it looks like almost like it's an early '90s design, but like you know, 15 years um, too early. You know, like a mid '90s design. Like it's, but there's such there's a charm with those that I think are really like fun and goofy. That I don't like feel like they're they're not quite as um, like uh, gaudy as the '90s ones. So, yeah, I'm, I'm um, with you. Those are, are are great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm exactly. going with Dennis Rodman. I, I like just the okay. classic Pistons, okay. you know, Dennis Rodman jersey. I think it's a solid one, a good one. Yeah. Uh, but also kind of hipstery too, because it's Dennis Rodman, and there's you know a certain you know thing and an appeal. So it'd be it'd be right in between the cool kid and the hipster, but I think leaning more towards the hipster uh, for the Rodman. But you disagree. Well, yeah, I think of Rodman as more of a cool kid jersey because I I don't think there's anything I quite ironic about. Rodman on the Pistons, like Rodman overall, yes, lots of irony there. And I and I, I see your point. I'm not I'm not uh, you know crapping on your pick. I think uh, I, I I can see where you're going with there, but I think Rodman is is more uh, of a cool kid because it's more of a celebration uh, because of how great he was for the Pistons. I, I could see Big Ben for the uh, the same reasons. I mean the uh, the the early 2000s Pistons uniforms are pretty. Cool too. I don't think they're quite as as cool as the uh, as the '80s ones. I just I like the cut better. I, I think that um, I, I like the style of the 2000s a, a bit less. But those I think are are neat ones as well. And and obviously Wallace is that kind of same like um, you know lunch pail type uh, player, which we normally reserve for white guys. But I think uh, Wallace definitely uh, uh, fits that one as well. So and Robin sure. to a degree as well. So yeah, yeah. My my pick for the cool kid jersey is Grant Hill, but the non teal yeah. horse one I want when he came right. to the league, which is the basic blue '80s. Pistons jersey I think that's a, a really really cool jersey uh and Grant Hill like he wasn't cool at all when he was coming up like he was the least one of the least cool guys like when it, but I feel like he's gotten kind of cool in, in later days and yeah I think it's kind of fun to, to to throw it back to uh the Grant Hill days so I'm I'd be into that for sure absolutely so all right now we have the Warriors uh we've got uh We've got 22 guys. We've got Ralph Sampson, another uh, sad uh, entry at, toward the end of his career after he was with the Rockets. You got Jojo White toward the end of his career. Uh, Kings of the Warriors both got Sampson and Jojo White at the end of their career. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We got uh, Larry Costello at the very beginning of his career. We, 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 he was one guy that we talked about. Um, it was interesting, like the 55, 56 uh Warriors had, you know, quite a few guys like Costello and Gene Chu who ended up, you know, being great players elsewhere who were like had just very small roles on those uh, on those teams. Yeah. Chris Webber, of course, who both his rookie season and his last season was spent with the uh, Warriors. Uh, you got uh, Sarunas Marshallonis, of course, later with the Kings, but accomplished most of his NBA accomplishments with the Warriors. 
You got Handy Andy Phillip to kind of bounce around the league here and there, but was definitely a strong guard uh, during his era. You got uh, early 80s, uh, Bernard King kind of revived his career before going to the uh, Knicks with the uh, Warriors after a really uh, tough stint with the Jazz and, and drug issues he had. You got Mitch Richmond before he went to the Kings. The Kings and the Warriors have so much uh, crossover, I didn't even uh, realize this until now. Um, yeah, Jerry Lewis, uh, not Jerry Lucas, not Jerry Lewis, not the comedian Jerry Lewis, but the uh, basketball player Jerry Lucas. Of course, also the uh, Kings and the, well, the Royals and the Warriors. Um, before he went to the Knicks, he had a couple years with the Warriors. You got Robert Parrish, never played for the Kings, but did play for the Warriors before he went to the Celtics. You got Jamal Wilkes, of course, part of the 75 title team as a rookie. You got Guy Rogers, a great assist man during his uh, time in the uh, 60s. You got Joe Folks. He was a great scorer in the early uh, NBA. Jumping Joe, you got Al Adels, uh, one of the great uh, guards of uh, his era, of course, later in as a coach and just, you know, they kind of like the Tommy Heinsohn of the uh, Warriors, like 60 year association with the Warriors. You got Tim Hardaway of Run TMC fame, Tom Gola of the uh, 56 uh, championship team and was a really solid player, kind of the Draymond Green of his day to a degree. You got Nate Thurmond, of course, great rebounder and big man of his era. You got Chris Mullen, uh, Rick Barry. Uh, Neil Johnston, if we talked about Neil Johnston a lot of times, one of the great unheralded big men of his uh, day. Paul Arizin, one of the uh, one of the best forwards of his time, also part of that 56 title team. And last but not least, Will Chamberlain, uh, early on in his career, played for the Warriors. Only five years, but, but manages to garner 112 win shares in those uh, five seasons. So good stuff. Yeah, it's it, you mentioned at the top. It's kind of funny how like closely aligned the Kings and the Warriors franchises were for a while, and uh, they one has gone one direction, and one is kind of still in that same direction. Because a lot of those guys, like the first five guys you mentioned, all had like or the four of the first five guys you mentioned all had uh, uh, some weird Kings runs. But uh, thankfully, it's a uh, it, it veered a different way for the Warriors. But uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting franchise uh, history there with Wilt and, and Arizona being you know clear guys. But I think uh, over over time, I think a few guys are going to compete with them for that. That list is going to be very different when we do this show uh, twenty years from now. Absolutely, yes. All right, so Hall of Famers drafted or acquired but never played. You got Vince Carter. Uh, kind of forget, yeah, he was traded, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, it was drafted there and then traded to the uh, Raptors, Antoine Jameson, and uh, some draft picks involved in uh, that trade. So, uh, yeah, um, possible future Hall of Famers. Well, we got Steph Curry. Uh, we got Kevin Durant, who's at 100%. I believe Steph's at 100% as well. Yeah, Draymond Green, 77%. An interesting um, number there. I think he's definitely getting in, although I I would have not necessarily thought that the Hall of Fame probability would see that. I guess probably championships are played into that. Certainly, you know, defensive teams play into that. Uh, Clay Thompson at 70%. Um, and Andre Iguodala is at 13%, um, which uh, I don't know. I mean, Iguodala I could see as, as being one of those guys, given that he had, you know, his early – a career as you know a, a pretty good star for the uh, Sixers, and then of course you know went in and you know did his kind of do everything thing with the uh, with the Warriors. I could kind of see him being there, but uh, but I, I think the first four guys are all uh, I'm pretty sure are definitely going in. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Curry and Durant obviously going in, no question. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No, all the Green, four, of those, all four of those guys absolutely are, are going in. I think. Yeah, yeah. Green and Clay, I mean, that's I I think they're definitely going in, but that they're not absolutely hundred percent, you know, Durant and Curry obviously are hundred percent. So Iguodala, I don't know. What do you think about Iguodala? Yeah, he's an interesting case. I, I think that there might be a groundswell of people that say, Hey, he won finals MVP and he was, you know, the glue that made everything go. Like, I think he gets a, he, he's one of those dudes that I could absolutely see like 
15 years after he retires, people kind of like kicking the can on, on Andre Godala. I don't know if I'd ever bet him going in, but I, I could, I, I think I could see it. I, I, I think I could see yeah. people making an argument for him for sure. I, I, I agree. All right. So, best what's what if scenario for me? I would say the late 70s Warriors, they figured out like they are able to, you know, keep uh, Jamal Wilkes, uh, Robert Parrish, Gus Williams, Phil Smith. They're able to kind of figure out a replacement for Rick Barry as he's winding down the end of his career. They definitely had, they definitely had potential dynasty with the guys they had in there they just one they didn't realize what they had and two they had a lot of uh chemistry issues and not good management and all of that but um i think you know you look at that 77 team i mean yeah they had rick barry was 32 they had phil smith who was like all nba um guard you know later had injuries unfortunately but was was really stalwart you know yet yeah like i said you had jamal wilkes you had gus williams you had robert parish as a rookie um you know, you still have a great, a good big man in Clifford Ray. I mean, they uh, they had a lot of talent there. If they could have kind of figured out, put that together, maybe you know, found a young, uh, you know, a, a young solid, you know, starish type player to replace Barry. You know, that that's a team that could have definitely had a lot of longevity. Yeah, my what if is is, and we've talked about this on a recent episode. Um, what if they signed Dwight Howard because they really wanted to sign Dwight Howard before he went to the Rockets. So just imagine how much changes in NBA history where they, the Warriors are like, yeah, we did it. We secured Dwight Howard. You know what I mean? And like Dwight was great at that time. Great. Very well regarded. People wanted him. He was a very, you know, it was that post Lakers year and that was a little weird, but people still really wanted him. And the Warriors were one of those teams that was trying to clear cap room and clear space uh, to get Dwight Howard. And uh, they did not. Uh, or in the same breath, they really wanted to trade Clay Thompson for Kevin Love too, and that would also have right. been a really fascinating thing to see because that's that's still a really good team. I mean, you put Kevin Love on, um, you know, the the Warriors. It's still a pretty good team, but they're not they're not the Warriors. You know, I, I don't know. It's just a very fascinating thing to think that this team was like, we got to get big, we got to get a bigger guy, we got to get a bigger guy, and then they failed at doing it. We're like, ah, let's just try it with all these not that big guys. And guess what happened? They won a lot, and they completely changed the NBA. Uh, as we know it, by having, you know, Draymond Green be their center and not Dwight Howard or Kevin Love or any number of other big men that they tried. Hell, they, they took them a while to get to it. They, they were doing the Andrew Bogut and David Lee thing for a while, too. And then they were like, wait, let's just play sure. this guy at center. Let's see what yeah. happens. So it, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's a fascinating part of NBA history. If, yeah, just Clay Thompson just gets thrown in for a deal for Kevin Love or, or whatever. That, that, that just It's be fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Your ultimate Hall of Fame hipster jersey. I'm going to go with Jumpin' Joe Fultz. I like it, uh, yeah. 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 Now, obviously, he was a he was a great player, but he's so old. I feel like the obscurity <laughs> factor there, you know, is like, um, you know, you, you can get a lot of get a lot of fun questions with uh, with Joe folks. You, you, you get some puzzled looks, but I think it's a fun one. Yeah, I feel like that'd be kind of a cool one, though. I, I don't know. Yeah. If they're, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I struggled with the hipster Warriors jersey because I think most of right. them are pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I think folks is kind of a cool kid one. I, I went with Chris Mullen as the hipster jersey, but I also think that that could apply. Uh, as a cool jersey too, they have a lot of cool players in their history. I don't know that there's really right. a uh, uh, an obvious hipster one here. Yeah, well, one and dog with the white guys as we have as said, we've so. as we've done. Yeah, yeah. All right, ultimate cool kid jersey. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Tim Hardaway. I feel like you know, like Tim Hardaway, like that you know, run TMC was just like such a as a young player was just such an exciting, speedy, fun guard. You know, yeah, I, I think he he typifies that run TMC era. It's more about the era for those three. As a, you know, Hardaway, I think is the the best one that kind of personifies that, but um, I think that one is you know is, is kind of what I'm going with. Yeah, I'm going Wilt. Uh, I think Wilt Chamberlain yeah. one would be kind of cool because it's like, yeah, yeah, Wilt. You know, I, I don't know. There's just a cool fact. I don't, I don't like people just don't wear like Wilt jerseys ever. So I think it'd be kind of cool sure. if, if you did do that. So, 
Yeah, I I agree. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember with I'm looking at the NBA jersey database now at the at the actual jerseys that they wore during the uh, Will era. So they were they were kind of the um, they, they look kind of similar to what the uh, the Sixers jerseys would later look like. I mean, they have the they have the filla on there. You know, they've got their uh, their blue and white. They have some gold trim on there. So you know, they're not bad. Then 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 later in the '60s, uh, they have a year where they actually had gold uniforms and then the San Francisco stripped on there and then they went back to blue. So yeah, those are some pretty fun ones. Those are, those have an interesting look and are pretty cool, especially the early, um, the very beginning of the career that they had that line in the middle. It's, that's kind of cool. That's kind of interesting, you know, uh, that you've seen those on the, uh, on the Sixers jersey. So yeah, I could, or excuse me, the Warriors jersey. I could definitely see that. Yep. So that's fun. All right. So Last team for uh, part one, and boy, this uh, this show went a bit longer than I expected, but some great discussion. So it's been fun. Um, Bullets Wizards franchise, uh, well, of course, the I did not should have, of course mention the uh, Chicago Zephyrs and Packers as well. Oh. Lots of uh, fun names for this franchise. Um, all right, we've got uh, Ralph Sampson, the last uh, sad stop of his career. I completely forgot he was in the Bullets. You got Slick Leonard. Uh, you got Jerry Sloan, of course, more in as a coach. You got Don Nelson also in as a coach before, before he um, went to the uh, Lakers and then later the Celtics. He was also part of the Chicago franchise before they went to Baltimore. Uh, Sloan was, of course, on the Baltimore Bullets. Uh, Rod Thorne, uh, Spencer Haywood, last stop of his career was the Bullets. Uh, Paul Pierce, uh, of course, played for the Wizards 2015 year. Actually, that was kind of a fun year for uh, that team. Yeah. Uh, ben Wallace early on in his career before he went to the uh, Pistons. Dave Bing had a couple years with the um, with the Bullets. Uh, Michael Jordan, of course, playing for the Wizards. Mitch Richmond uh, traded from the Kings to the Wizards. Bernard King, after his stint with the Knicks, had played several years actually with the uh, Bullets. It was fairly good. They had, they had a couple of uh, solid years there. Bob Dandridge, of course, leaving the Bucks to go to the uh, Bullets. They end up winning the championship in 78. Moses Malone had a stint with the uh, Bullets after uh, Philly before the Hawks, where he was. He, he stood out. Bailey Howell played with the franchise for a while after the Pistons, before the Celtics. Chris Weber, of course, in the uh, mid-90s after it doesn't work out with the Warriors. Earl Monroe with the Bullets early on his career before he goes to the Knicks. Gus Johnson, kind of one of the unheralded uh, players of his time, you know, had a long stint with the uh, Bullets. Uh, Walt Bellamy, of course, was the, you know, the big the first star for uh, Chicago, very productive for that franchise, even as they moved to the Bullets before he went to some other franchises. Elvin Hayes, of course, uh, you know, helps lead that team to the 78 championship. And, of course, the iconic bullet of it all, Wes Unselt, of course, uh, played in the uh, 70s, won the MVP, and, you know, the great uh, the, the great passer, defender, screener, uh, do-it-everything uh, player for uh, for the Bullets franchise. Yep, that, that's great, man. A yep. lot of cool, a lot of cool players. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the cool factor for a lot of these players is, is I mean, those final. God, man. I mean, I guess if you if you call Michael Jordan cool, I don't know. I'm kind of the fence about if he's cool yeah. or not. Great player, obviously. I don't know if he's he's cool, but yeah, I guess he's kind yeah. of cool. Uh, I, I don't know if yeah. Jordan <laughs> Wizards Jordan was cool, but uh, no. yeah. I mean, God, actually, I think all these guys are cool. Right. I don't. I think Michael Jordan got so popular at a certain point that he wasn't cool. Like maybe you could consider like early Jordan cool, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. Well, like yeah, nineteen eighty nine Jordan is cool, but yeah, nineteen ninety eight yeah. Jordan's not that cool. But like it, everybody else yeah. is pretty damn. I mean, especially that. I mean, you got Mitch Richmond, Art King, Bob Dandridge, Moses Malone. Sure. 
Ah, baby, hell, yeah, you know, for Chris Webber, right, yeah, on the, right on the fence. But Earl Monroe, Gus Johnson, Walt Bellamy, Elvin Hayes, Wes Unseld. I mean, man, that's a lot of cool for wa- wasted on yeah. Washington. You know I mean? Oh wow! I'm, cool. I'm oh wow! Lots of great uniforms too. Yeah, uh, and Baltimore too. I'm throwing Baltimore yeah. on the fence. On Baltimore, team. yeah. Oh, you're here to throw Baltimore fence, yeah. But but of course the Chicago Zephyrs. You know, yes. You, uh, oh no no yeah yeah, yeah. iconic. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The Zephyrs iconic. Yes. All right, so no Hall of Famers drafted or acquired, but never played. At least none that I could find. Um, possible future Hall of Famers. Well, you got Russell Westbrook These and Dwight Howard. Ninety-nine percent. Yeah, they played for a lot of teams. Uh, it's funny how Westbrook played so many years for the uh, Thunder. Like, oh, he's a Thunder for life, and now he's played everywhere. Um, uh, all right, so other guys. John Wall's at thirty-two percent. Gilbert Arenas is at twenty-two percent. I don't see either one of those happening, and particularly Arenas. Uh, Wall. I mean, maybe if like Wall has like a really great like second career with the um you know with the the clippers or whoever and it's like a contributor to a playoff and finals team maybe but that's that one's a bit of a long shot uh bradley built only at 2.2 percent. i would have expected to be like a little bit higher but he's got a lot it, it could happen but he has a lot to do before he could ever get there so i would say um all right best what if scenario yeah and I think you and I have the same one, but like, yeah. What if they decided like, yeah, let's uh, try this Chris Webber, Rashid Wallace thing uh, in the mid nineties, give that some time. I, that's, I think it's definitely possibly a great team around 99 or 2000. If they give it some time, get the right complimentary pieces. I mean, you could see that kind of like being like a King's East, especially if they just had Rick Edelman in there as their coach. Yeah. You know, that might have, yeah. uh, that would have worked. Or, you know, the other one is maybe like, Hey, maybe that 75 team just has better luck. I mean, they got swept by the warriors, but like all of those games were extremely close. If they just had some, better luck and uh you know and they maybe could have outlasted in that series if they just you know won game one or one game two or you know just got a little momentum there but yeah they just kind of got rolled over in like the weirdest way mm-hmm. yeah no to me it's definitely like the 90s they, they were just weird they kept cycling in and out of like good players it's just like keep all the good players right. like what are you doing yeah. just keep them right. all like just yeah. have them all play together what are you doing why do you keep trading yeah. all these good players just like right they would try it for a year and they're like oh we're not instantly good whatever and then they actually got kind of okay like they became a pretty good team and we're ended up you know making some playoff runs but it was just like just keep the good players together stop trading them all but uh yeah i i, I do I, I do wonder what would have happened because then they yeah yeah then they had the Jawan howard and chris weber thing for a little while and then that was like okay and they're like all right that's not gonna work anymore like no please yeah. <laughs> let's try, yeah. try it like all right try <laughs> let it out. these guys let's grow see. together see what happens but yeah, they, yeah. It, it's a very very weird franchise in the 90s where they're just like a lot of good guys come through and they're just in and out of there very very quickly as well so yeah i think that would have been the, the way i would do it is is is, is try you know keep those talented guys together for a little bit longer than they did all right, ultimate Hall of Fame hipsters. Yeah, I'm going with Rasheed Wallace. Although I, the the bullets uniforms of that, I mean, they're they're pretty cool, but they're not nearly as cool as like the 70s, 80s. Um, no, uniforms. no, no. But, yeah, they're definitely not. But I will. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Rasheed Wallace because Rasheed. That's a good pick. Yeah, I'm going Moses Malone. Uh, I, yeah. I think that's it, it, basic enough where I I can't call it for sure cool kid, but 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 yeah, I, right. I think I think it lands in the hipster realm. Yeah. And Moses did have one year with the uh, with the cool bullets, um, you know, flag style jersey before they went to the solid color um, jerseys. Right. So, oh, yeah. 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 So you, you definitely got that. So, yeah. Uh, ultimate cool kid jersey. I'm going West Unsell. Uh I don't think. Oh, it's. Uh, yeah. I, I, not yeah. even enough for a debate. I, uh, yeah. It, it the is only, the ultimate cool kid jersey. The only one that I could maybe would would think about is like um, early 70s uh, Roman or uh, yeah, Roman Monroe um, of like bullets. Yeah. Um, 
you know, like the like orange bullet style. I think like, those are really cool too. Yeah, That's the only yeah. one that I would even even entertain. But even yeah, even I give think. a thought to, yeah, or even an Elvin Hayes right. uh, that era of Elvin yeah. Hayes maybe. But I, it's right. Unseld, man. Unseld's like uh, the perfect player for that jersey. It's just yeah, it's perfect. Yep. All right, so I, I do want to mention uh, a couple here that are not directly related to the franchise, but I but they don't fit anywhere else. So we're just going to talk about them here. All right, so Buddy Jeanette, who we discussed recently, of course, uh, he played for the original Baltimore Bullets, who folded in 1954. Not not connected to uh, these this Bullets Wizards franchises. He is the only Hall of Famer who played in the BAA slash NBA or in the ABA for that matter who only played for a team that no longer exists. So we're going to mention him here because there's no other really good place to um, mention him. So that's he is rough. The, yeah, that's rough. Yeah. yeah. So um, I uh, so I guess he's the ultimate hipster and cool kid jersey for the original. Get your buddy Baltimore, Jeanette Baltimore Bullets Baltimore jersey. Bullets. Yeah. yeah. Well, the 54 jerseys uh, had sleeves. So oh. um, you could get some you get some sleeve jerseys uh, there. So they actually look kind of cool. Um so um, yeah, they're um, outside of that. I don't know if they're they're the best jerseys in the world, but hey, that would be fun. So also, uh, different franchise also no longer exists, but the same region. The um, Washington Capitals of the ABA actually signed Dave Bing in 1969. However, he never ended up leaving the NBA for the ABA and. The Virginia Squires, who are the same franchise as the Washington Capitals, of course later moved on to um, Virginia. They tried to sign Bob McAdoo secretly while he was still in the NCAA, but the agreement was nullified because that was too shady even for the ABA. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah the ABA was right. like, come on, like, yeah, to get him early, but yeah, he's still actively. <laughs> like, don't, uh, yeah, that, that's, right, right. When you're too shady for the ABA in acquiring like talents, that's that's you're, you're really right. gotta, yeah. And, and that was also so that was originally the Oakland Oaks franchise. Then they then they moved to Washington, and became the Capitals. Not not related to the. BAA Washington Capitals, and then they became the Virginia Squires, and then they they folded the they 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 lasted the '76 season, but then they folded uh, before the merger happened, so they weren't weren't included in the merger. They would not have been included in the merger anyway. So, right. so but they didn't they they missed out on the on that money. You know, they the the I'll I'll give you money to fold the team money. They uh, yeah. they, they if they only lasted a few more months, they could have done that. So, yeah. Happened to a few people too that yeah, <laughs> stuck it out right. during the lean times, then didn't well, get the payout. Well, they, the yeah, yeah, but they like they they were there right at the end, though, right, yeah. right, just before the end. Yeah, it didn't quite get to the finish line. Got ninety nine percent of the way there, but eh, alas. So, all right. Well, this has been a fun one. Yeah, sorry I went a little long, but I uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed this. It's fun to kind of go oh. through. There's a lot of a lot of franchise, a lot of fun players, a lot of remember some guys. So uh Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll be do, we'll be doing the rest of these teams. I imagine it'll at least be another couple episodes to get through. Obviously, with the oldest teams, you're gonna have the most Hall of Famers. With more recent teams, you're not gonna have as many, so they won't be quite as long. But yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, like our our, our Sonics right. Thunder uh section should be a lot a lot smaller right. than, than this. Our, yeah, our our Hornet section is not gonna be smaller, <laughs> our Hornet section so. is quite quick. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so. yeah, Hornets and uh, and uh, yeah, that that one is quick that's all i'll say about that one yeah we'll have right, a lot exactly. of discussions there so all right well definitely of course check out our sponsor uh stathead use our exclusive promo code back to get 20 dollars off an annual subscription to any of stathead.com's products thank you again to stathead.com for sponsoring this week's show uh thanks everyone of course for checking us out you can find us on twitter and facebook at over and back nba Please give us a rating and review on the podcast platform that you listen to us on. It helps other people uh, find us and it makes us feel good about ourselves, which is the most important thing. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back again soon.